Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, the John Campia Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. And ladies and gentlemen, the heavens have opened up and it's good news today because Sony and Tom Holland have met to discuss a young James Bond. We're going to talk about that just a little bit. And joining us here today, of course, is Kimberly Ann Curran. Kimberly, how are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing great. Good to have you here. And of course, right beside her, joining you guys in the live chat today mm-hmm. is Ray Ora. Ray, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Hey. What are you talking? <laughs> for every day is just now a countdown to, uh, what's it called? Moonfall. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> don't, don't delay the moonfall, baby. <laughs> and sitting across from him is the one and the only Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how are you doing today? <laughs> they better not delay that moonfall, John. I'm now, doing well. Because then I'll be I won't be doing well if they delay it. <laughs> When's it open up again? February 4th. February 4th. And, and thank you, Rob, for having the same love for that movie as me. I mean, come on, space and natural disasters belong together. Uh, that's like Reese's peanut butter cups. Exactly. So I, when, when these guys were talking about this, they would not shut up about Moonfall? Moon, moon night? Moonfall? Moonfall. Moonfall. Get it right, John. And it's like, what's it coming out? It's like February 4th. So I don't know. It might, get, it might get bumped. And Ray says, the moon doesn't follow anybody's schedule, John. <laughs> like, all right. Anyway, guys, it's good to have you here. Here's how today's show is going to go. We break the show, as we always do, up into two parts. In the first half of the show, we talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we take your live comments and questions. Now, if you'd like to get a live comment or question on the show, here's how you do it. If you're watching live, and only if you're watching live, go ahead and use the Super Chat feature that's there in the YouTube chat box, and we'll read it off when we get to the end of the main topic. Or if you're watching the show any other time during the day, the other 22 hours in the day, go down to the description of this video and you'll see a tip link. Click on that there or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your question on this show or an upcoming companion video if we deem your question appropriate to be used on our show. And of course, you'll be supporting our channel at the same time and all of us involved here at the John Campus Show. Thank you guys so much for your support. And also, guys, don't forget, if you need an audio-only version of the John Campia Show, maybe you're commuting, you're on a treadmill or something, there is the John Campia Show podcast, the audio version of this show. It is available on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Just go to your favorite podcasting app of choice, search for the John Campia Show, and subscribe to it today so it is there when you need it. All right, guys. With that all down, let's do an off-the-top here first, shall we? And that off-the-top is this. You guys will remember that a number of, I want to say weeks ago, but it might have been a month or two ago. I can't, I can't remember at this point. Tom Holland was talking about how he is very serious about wanting to play James Bond. Tom Holland wants to play James Bond really badly. And then Jacob Bartolone, who of course plays Ned in the Spider-Man movies with him, he was like, dude, that's all he talks about. That's all Tom Holland talks about is James Bond, James Bond, James Bond. That's it. That's all he wants to do. And he wants to be the next Bond. Well, apparently it went a little bit further than just wish fulfillment. I didn't know. I Who knew? If you're a star of one of the biggest movies in the world, you get an audience with the studios. Because apparently Tom Holland did have an opportunity uh, some time ago to sit down with Sony and give his pitch for a young James Bond. This comes to us from over at Variety, who write the following. This is uh, Tom Holland speaking. He says, 
I had a meeting after or during the shooting of Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man Far From Home, with Sony to pitch this idea of a young James Bond film that I'd come up with, Holland said. It was the origin story of James Bond. It didn't really make sense, and it didn't work. It was the dream of a young kid, and I don't think the Bond estate was particularly interested in it. <laughs> I, first of all, can I just say, I love the self-awareness of him saying, it didn't make sense, and it didn't work. <laughs> and the James Bond estate was pretty much just not interested in it whatsoever. Okay, a couple thoughts on this. Number one, if you need to make a James Bond movie about a younger James Bond, like you want to go, I understand, like Casino Royale was kind of the origin story of James Bond. If you want to go even earlier than that, hey, Tom Holland's a decent pick. He's a good-looking English fellow. He's a super talented dude. He's clearly very passionate about the subject matter. I'd, I'd be perfectly fine for that if that's what they wanted to do. The other thing is good for Sony saying, here's this kid who's totally in love with James Bond. He wants to pitch an idea. And he's got some name. He's got a name behind him. You know what? Fine. Sit down, kid. We will entertain your idea. So good on Sony number one, but good on Sony number two that, hey, just because you're Tom Holland, and just because you're Spider-Man, if it's not an idea that works, we're not going to do it. So double kudos to Sony Studios for giving the kid uh, an audience and then also for turning it down if Tom Holland himself is saying it wasn't a very good idea. So I think uh, I think this is great. Anyway, Rob, uh, you are the resident major James Bond fan here. And number one, let me ask you this. What would you think of a young... Let's break it up in a couple questions. What would you think about a younger James Bond story? If they did that, what would you think about Tom Holland playing it? And then what do you think about Sony actually giving the kid an audience? Well, I think that a, a young James Bond, an early story when he was in, say, the British Navy, for instance, could be quite interesting. Um, I would I would watch something like that that showed where his skill sets came from, why he was eventually tapped to go into MI6. Um, but But Tom Holland doesn't exactly strike me as like the brawler that Sean Connery was, right? You know, I just I, I think it's cool in, in in a way. It makes me makes me like Uncharted more now, even though I haven't seen the movie. I did watch that extended clip of the plane sequence, and that sequence is really really good. So I'm excited for that. So Tom Holland kind of got his James Bond esque franchise, uh, and it's good. You know, I think Sony should listen to their top talent, and and hey, if an actor wants to do something, why not listen to them? So it's a win-win for everybody, and we're getting Uncharted. Yeah, and by the way, the, the article kind of points to that it was this whole process and pitch that kind of led to Uncharted, and which I, I'm very excited <clears throat> about. I think Uncharted sounds great. Kim, we talked a few months ago or weeks ago now at this point, I can't even remember, about the possibility of Tom Holland, you know, all that kind of stuff, knowing that he actually had the Sony meeting and got to pitch the idea what do, what do you think about it now it's so funny because um if you remember when we were talking about tom holland being bond we didn't know about this context yet so we didn't know that it would already be, had a meeting it would be that he'd have a meeting but also that it would be pitched from the younger version and remember i said the only way i see tom holland as james bond is if they do a story of young James Bond. That's the only way, because I'm for Tom Holland. I like him. I just don't think he has the um, the maturity cosmetically. Like, he doesn't look 
like you're going to kick my ass, you know, and Daniel Craig, man, when he looks into that camera and straightens his tie, you're like, oh, God, please don't hit me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's so funny that that's how it went, because I was like, look, if it's talking about James Bond at 21, 22 years old, just getting into it, meeting M while he's still a bit of a rascal that would totally work. So I think that's so funny that that's the direction he was going. And I'm kind of bummed, but I do understand the direction and the flavor they want to keep the franchise in. But that would be cool. That I, would be dope. I will say this. He would probably lean towards, like to me, there are two James Bond archetypes, right? There's the Sean Connery badassery. There's the Roger Moore suave. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason Daniel Craig is my personal favorite is I, I kind of consider him to be the perfect amalgamation of the two. I think if he, Tom Holland, were to be a James Bond, I think he would lean more towards the Roger Moore template of Bond. I, I don't see, like, kind of like the way Pierce Brosnan did. Pierce Brosnan was a little bit more lean. I think he would go in that category. Whereas the Sean Connery, I would put more him, George Lazenby, you know, things like that. But I think you would go to that side. You know what the other thing is, too? I was saying good for Sony on two fronts, giving the kid an audience and for turning it down. Good for Tom Holland. Number one, he's got a dream. He's pursuing it. But number two, he's humble enough and self-aware enough to say, yeah, I didn't give them a good idea. <laughs> it wasn't very good. Because a lot of celebrities today would go, F Sony. They don't know a good idea when they see it. But Tom Holland's like, yeah, my idea didn't make sense. And they turned down. So good on him. But he and went for it like Hamilton, not not. Throwing not throwing away my, away my shot. Because so, just like his country, he's young, scrappy, and hungry, and he is not throwing away his shot. shot. Guys, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the question is for you. What do you think about this? The fact that Tom Holland actually got an audience with Sony to pitch being young James Bond. Maybe you think it would be a good idea. It led to Uncharted. Whatever you guys are thinking about it, jump down to the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down... Let's move into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campion Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampionshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, Kim, what is our first main topic today? All right, guys, our first main topic is coming from Anash. Hey, John and gang. So Wall Street Journal reported the other day that Warner Media and Viacom CBS are exploring possible sale of CW Network. Do you think it do you think that one of the repercussions of the coming eventual Warner Media Discovery merger? Also, what do you think will be the future of shows like Riverdale and Superman and Lois? Will they move forward as HBO May exclusives? Your thoughts. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And yeah, listen, here's something interesting. CW, also known as WB, what was it called before that? It was like WB. It was WB something, WB Network or WB, I can't remember what it was. And before that, it was like, it was called UPN or yeah. something. Like, United you know, well, United oh, Paramount Network. That's yeah, what it was. So it went through several iterations. Some people are saying the WB. That's it. It was the WB. Thank you, Top Kaepernick. It was the WB and then UPN and then ultimately CW. It had the frog. Is that Remember what the dancing had? frog? Did it? Oh, I think still. Michigan J. Frog. 
What is it? Michigan J Frog. Oh, Hello, my baby. Hello, Hello, my darling. Hello, my ragtime They did it. They spoofed that in um, Spaceballs. Remember in, yeah. in uh, what, what was what was the main character's name? Lone Star. When Lone Star was in the diner and the alien came out. Anyway, getting <laughs> off topic here. Point is, CW has never been profitable. It has never once been profitable. It's always kind of been that little cousin that doesn't do very well in school, but everybody kind of likes them of the family of networks, you know, when it, when it comes to viewership numbers and all that kind of stuff. But they've given it a good go. Anyway, listen, this comes to us from the folks over at The Hollywood Reporter write the following. The broadcast network, CW, home to shows like Batwoman and Walker, is being shopped by its corporate owners, Viacom, CBS, and Warner Media. Multiple sources confirmed to The Hollywood Reporter. The Wall Street Journal, which first reported the news, says that local TV giant Nexstar is among the potential suitors. Nexstar, which owns 199 local TV stations, as well as the cable channel News Nation and The Hill, is one of the largest owners of CW stations. It isn't immediately clear whether Viacom, CBS, and Warner Media plan to sell the entire network or retain a minority stake. And once again, that comes from the folks over at The Hollywood Reporter. All right. There's a, this could, the number of big things here to talk about. Number one, kind of asking if this might have anything to do with the Warner Brothers and Discovery acquisition. I can't see how it doesn't. Technically speaking, Discovery cannot be involved with anything involving Warner Brothers right now. They, they can't be on calls. They can't, other than working out details of the transfer of ownership. Other than that, there's a lot of rules and laws and regulations in place that forbid them from being involved in that. But you got to assume that in the initial negotiations and discussions, Discovery may have said to them, by the way, we have no interest in CW. Spin that off, collect some revenue for it, get it out of our, our hair. So my guess is while we don't have anything concrete saying definitively yes or no, I think absolutely there's probably a case here that this has something to do with the Discovery acquisition. Secondly, what happens to all these shows that are there? Theoretically speaking, Nothing. Because if they sell off CW, then all contracts, licenses, and obligations involving CW stay in place. Which means, let's say for argument's sake, that the Batwoman show has a four-year contract with CW. I'm not, I don't know that it does. I'm just saying, theoretically speaking. Well, those licenses, just because Warner Brothers has a new owner, the new owner is still responsible and obligated to fulfill the responsibilities of those licenses and of those contracts. So theoretically speaking, nothing changes. But then Discovery later on, once those agreements and contracts and licenses run out, they may then want to bring all that stuff back over to their own HBO Max or whatever they're going to call it. HBO Discovery, Discover HBO, DHBO, Dub Boys. Bro HBO, whatever it is they're going to call it, they're going to move it over at some point. But yeah, for at least in the immediate future, probably won't see it mixed up much. Rob, you this is a significant big deal. CW, as small as it is, it is a very high-profile property yeah. with a lot of shows that we've talked about a lot over the years, like Riverdale, super popular, obviously the, the Arrowverse and all that kind of stuff. You hear about this? Is this something that makes sense to you? And what do you see some of the repercussions? Well, I think a lot of a lot of it has to do with Viacom and CBS. Is that yeah? You know, they there's been a lot of talk in the industry that Viacom, CBS, meaning also Paramount, would be sold to someone like Apple. 
the same way that Amazon bought MGM. Right. And I think that they might want to cut their get rid of anything that's on a that shows a drain on a spreadsheet. So if somebody <laughs> wanted to acquire them, it's like, well, why is this CW over here not making any money? Are we supposed to make that? So they get rid of that and or whatever else they can to make themselves more attractive to any purchaser that might come along. Um, we shall see. But that's where I think some of it comes from is they just they, they, they're streamlining and Viacom CBS is making itself very tasty for anybody who wants to acquire. So them. this isn't just about Discovery getting H getting uh, Warner Brothers. It's also about Viacom trying to make itself more appealing and stuff like that to a buyer. I, I mean, this is just things that I've read. I have no inside no yeah. inside information. I would just assume that's what they what they want to do. Does it make so. sense? Do you think maybe any of this also has to do with the fact that Paramount Plus is out there now, and maybe Paramount is more interested when it comes to their television? offerings that they may want to centralize it into paramount plus just yes. like i think that some of that is at play with hbo oh, absolutely i mean because that's what everybody wants to do you know they for the for now you've got direct to consumer right disney plus peacock hbo max paramount plus they don't want to have why why divide your your the whole point is to get subscribers so why have programming that is not getting you subscribers right you know we only want our shows on paramount plus Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about apparently an impending sale of CW? Maybe it is not long for this world. Maybe it's going to be sold off for parts. Maybe things will just keep running as normal. Whatever you guys are thinking about this, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. Before we go on to main topic two, let's take a little bit of time here to pay some bills around here and thank the sponsor of today's show, stamps.com hey guys we want to take a second and thank the sponsor of this video stamps.com now whether you are a small business owner have a side hustle selling stuff online maybe you just like to share things back and forth with your friends good news stamps.com is going to help you out a lot because if you're anything like me there are many times in my life that i didn't send something to a friend of mine or i didn't want to sell something online simply because i didn't want the hassle and expense of having to ship stuff out and for those of us here at the john campia show stamps.com is going to be huge for us in 2022 because we've been doing more giveaways like shirts you know pops and other things and we plan on doing a lot of that and that's just wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for stamps.com and for people like us, stamps.com is a godsend because it lets you print out official postage right from your computer so you can spend less time at the post office and more time running your business or sharing things with the people in your life. And stamps.com doesn't just give you access to the U.S. Postal Service, it also works with UPS now right from your computer. And you can get discounts that you cannot get anywhere else, like up to 40% off the United States Postal Service rates and 76% off UPS. So right now, head on over to stamps.com and go up to that microphone up in the corner, click on that and enter the promo code Campia, that's C-A-M-P-E-A. This will give you a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts required at all. And now, let's get back to the video. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number two, Kim. What is our second main topic today? All right, this comes from Owen White. Hey, John, big fan of the show. Wondered if you heard what Steven Yuen said on Invincible season two. 
He said that they haven't even began production on it. This is disappointing to me, as I expected the second season would come out this March or sometime this year. And Invincible was one of the surprise shows of 2021, to me, along with Arcane. Thoughts? All right, thanks a lot for saying that in. And yeah, Invincible was truly, I mean, other than Arcane, which Arcane came out of nowhere became my number one favorite animated show in the history of animation. I, I, I just can't believe how much I love Arcane. But before that, there was Invincible, another great little animated show that came out and really surprised us because not only was it gory and brutal and violent, there was a great story underneath there, right? There was some really good mythology. I mean, basically it's a, a darker Superman and Superboy. So there's a, there's a lot of not a lot of new ground covered there, but narratively the way they approach it, there's almost Shakespearean in some ways with story of father and son and the things that get passed down. Anyway, loved it. Caught on really well, despite the fact that I found the animation style to be kind of cheap. But besides that, I was in love with this show. Anne and I watched it like all the way through, absolutely adored it. And it had great success. And so we started looking forward to it because I think it came out in March of 2021. I think in March or April, somewhere along there. So I have just been with no reasoning behind it, kind of assuming and thinking that come March and April, we're going to be getting Invincible Season 2. Well, apparently not. Uh, the guy who does the voice of Invincible, <laughs> Stephen, said the following. We haven't started on it yet. I know we're starting at some point soon. I've talked to Robert Kirkman. Uh, he's, of course, the guy who did uh, Walking Dead, and he's kind of the runner of the show. Uh, I've talked to Robert here and there. Uh, he's super excited about it. He thinks season two is going to be even better than season one, which I have no doubt about. If you go to his source material, Invincible is an incredible comic. And just thinking about how much story hasn't been told from that run, it's going to be bonkers. I'm really excited about it. That's all great. We haven't started on it yet. <laughs> like what? So clearly we are not getting Invincible season two anytime soon now granted this is the type of animation that you could probably do like this isn't a pixar film right this ain't a pixar film this is something you could probably get rolling fairly quickly and you could probably get this out faster than a lot of other animated stuff but still the fact that they haven't started yet steven doesn't even know exactly when they're starting i think there's a decent chance here we may not even get this until 2023 granted it's early they could come out quarter four but it may not even come out to 2023 and I get it. We want to say, hey, man, take your time. This isn't about taking your time. I mean, come on, guys. Let's get this going. But you know what? They probably didn't know this thing was going to be successful as it was. But I'll tell you one thing, Rob. I will say this. I am nervous about where they might go with season two. Because season one really takes place more Terra side. It takes more on Earth. It's a little bit more grounded. I mean, for these super beings and whatever. For those who don't know the comics, once you get a little further out, almost everything else happens intergalactically, right? And all of a, and then pretty soon you get, oh, what's the lead singer of, of Queen's name again? Freddie, Freddie Mercury. Mercury. Yeah, you get Freddie, Freddie Mercury, who is, uh, you know, Invincible Dad's boss. <laughs> As it turns out, Freddie Mercury shows up. It's not literally Freddie Mercury, but I swear to God, they modeled this character after yeah. Freddie Mercury. I can't remember the character's name, but he's the, the head of their world, right? get into that and then you get these intergalactic wars going on and all that kind of stuff and i'm a little bit nervous about that because i part of the thing that i love about the story of this is that it takes place on earth he is trying to balance being who he is born to be 
and being a high school student, trying to manage this relationship that he has with this one girl while also trying to navigate this other awkward relationship that he has with Adam <laughs> Eve and all this kind of stuff. And I like that and kind of abandoning that going to space. In the comics, it works. And it'll probably work in the show too, but I, I just, wor- I'm going to admit, I worry about it a little bit. <laughs> do you think they're going to follow pretty closely to the comics and go that route? Do you think they may change thing up and keep it more terrestrial? What do you think they're going to do? I, with I think they'll follow the comics because I really like that comic. Um, I have the absolute editions of it. Uh, and they already have the story laid out. And I think they do a great job of that story. I think that story becomes really interesting. But like you said, I think the people that are fans of that show now don't know yet about this intergalactic yeah. turn that the story takes. So if you're an invincible fan, I think I think the audience will go with them. But hey, while you're waiting, you can always watch Dota Dragon's Blood season two, <laughs> which drops on the 18th of January. You know, I was watching uh, credits on that and a name I recognize came up on that. I think it was a Robert Meyer Burnett's name came up on that. Maybe so, you hey, know. Uh, something to watch in the meantime. Hey, you know, if something to tide you over for the next season of Arcane or whatever you're waiting for. Yeah. And who knows when Arcane's going to come? Anyway, Kim, I, I don't think I've ever talked to you about Invincible. Did you watch Invincible? And and if so, what did you think about it? I didn't finish it. I did start it. I loved the story. I get a little queasy with a lot of gore, so that's why I wasn't able to finish it. Just like I'm I'm almost completely finished with the boys, but not without Oh, I love the boys. Not without <laughs> passing out a few times. So it just <laughs> takes a lot for me to come to. So that's why I haven't finished it. Um, but for for what I saw, I really liked the father son relationship and story and i felt like a lot of people um not just fathers and sons but like fathers and daughters could really relate to that discovery and power struggle and and uh really getting Fight to know to the death who you yeah. are but then really getting to know who your parents are you know i thought that was interesting i thought it was a good show i didn't mind the animation i no, i don't mind it either i just say it's not exactly high budget no, it's not super like big arcane. production yeah. value yeah, yeah it's not arcane yeah. or anything yeah, like with that arcane i just visually i'm just like it's just candy i'm just like ah i gotta ask you a question yes sir uh does animated violence bother you as much as more live action violence they're the same for me don't ask me why okay don't so, ask me why so when you're watching why. the first episode of the boys an a train runs right through the <laughs> girlfriend yeah <laughs> that was yeah, that was, that was pretty, or the yeah. stuff. I still think like there's a bit of lost shows like this because we referenced the boy, but like, man, I know I keep coming back to it. That airplane scene in oh, in, in season one with with Maeve, and, and they're on the plane. And they're like, we gotta leave these people. Gotta leave them. Broke my heart. I mean, oh my! I'm like, I'm watching this. Like, this isn't just an awesome television show. This is a freaking heavy television show. Yeah. And I just love that about it. And that's exactly some of the same feelings I got watching Invincible. So hopefully they get on that uh, get on that horse here pretty soon. Anyway, guys, what do you think about that? Are you looking forward to Invincible Season 2? Are you disappointed we're not going to get it sooner than we are? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three. Kim. What is our third main topic today? Okay, this comes from Forlick Wright. Hey, John and team. Wondering if you saw that Don't Look Up has set the all-time first week viewing record for Netflix. I love the movie and think it's one of the smartest films I've ever seen, but I didn't think with its mixed reviews that a lot of people would check it out. What do you think about the new record? Yeah, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I, 
I'm not terribly surprised by this. Now, I was a little surprised when I saw the mixed reviews. And, and for the record, I saw Don't Look Up. I thought it was good. I, I, I wouldn't nominate it for Best Picture of the Year, but I thought it was good. I thought the performances were great and the cast is absolutely insane and incredible. But apparently a lot of people were very interested in watching it because it set the new record for Netflix for most views in one week. This comes to us from Deadline. Adam McKay's climate change satire, Don't Look Up, is officially a record breaker with the title attracting the most viewing hours for a movie in a single week in Netflix history. The movie's 152.29 million hours watched globally uh, in the week of December 27th to January 2nd is a new high watermark, the streamer has confirmed to Deadline. Figures released by Netflix show the Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence star is already the third most watched film in its first 28 days. And that's only after only a week. It's the third most watched Netflix film over a course of the first 28 days in only its first week of all time behind only Bird Box and Red Notice. And of course, Red Notice is the Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Ryan Reynolds film. All right. I'll tell you why this doesn't surprise me. Because there was a, a mutual friend of ours who I remember talking to a while ago, and they said something that's always stuck with me and, and, and it's proving to be true, which is one of the fundamental differences between the world of theatrical movie going and stream and television and streaming is the fact that, you know, while having big stars in a movie will give a sense of credibility to a moviegoer, like if they're looking at a movie and they don't recognize anybody in it, they may not go. If they recognize the stars, they may consider going, right? But gone are the days of the 60s, 70s, 80s when just putting this movie star in it automatically meant it was going to make big box right. office. Like very, very, very few performers today have even anything that resembles that kind of pull. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, maybe a little bit of Will Smith, what have you. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of not the thing anymore. Now the big movie star name just kind of gives some credibility to a movie. It's different with streaming, our friend said. Streaming, it's all about the name power. It's all about who's the superstar in it, which is why a mediocre at best movie like Red Notice can be one of the top three biggest viewed movies in Netflix history in the first 28 days because it's got Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Ryan Reynolds. You put that movie in theater, that movie doesn't make over $100 million opening weekend. That movie doesn't cross $500 million worldwide. But you put it on streaming... Big stars and everybody goes. With that as the foundation, you get a movie with Timothy Chalamet, with Jennifer Lawrence, with Leonardo DiCaprio, with uh, who's the BG? Meryl Streep, Meryl Jonah Streep. Hill. By the way, Meryl Streep, I did love her in that. Uh, Kate Blanchett. Yeah, I mean, you put, it's you like got them all. Tyler Perry. Tyler, Tyler Perry, Perry too. Who, by the way, was really good in it. I he really liked I'm a big fan of him. Like, I'm, I'm not a one. Medea fan, but like, he was great in Gone Girl. That's where I really yeah. started to like him a lot. He was, was in awesome. Gone Girl. I mean, yeah, he I, I, he's actually a really good actor. And Remember I he was in Star Trek. Yeah, uh, yeah, was he was like that. a head of the uh, he was head of Starfleet Federation. Academy, yeah. Yes, oh, Federation, yeah. that's a sore spot for you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, it's so it's really not that big of a surprise. Plus. Despite some mixed reaction, there's a lot of people who really, really like this film. Ray is one of them. Like I remember, Ray, you were you went home and watched that movie one day, yep. and and I was planning on sleep. Yeah, and that's what and that's very serious time for Ray. Sleep yeah. time is serious time. 
And then you texted me out of nowhere and like, like I'm loving No Way. Uh, Lo yeah, Don't it's fantastic. Up. What's wrong with it? Like, because, you know, you hear all the comments about it being overly too much of something, the, the way some people uh, took it. But I never saw that from it. And I right. just had a good time. I think Jonah Hill, him so and, fun. He was very funny and Jennifer Lawrence, every time they would go at each other, just killed me. It was so funny. What was like, this one line in the movie? He goes, like, I want to say a prayer yeah. for stuff. For for all the cool stuff. For all we the have. cool stuff. The suits, the cars. So dope. <laughs> so dope. <laughs> and wasn't Meryl Streep his mom? Yes. Talk about oh, how hot his mom is. Some of the things he would say. I didn't pick that up until the end of the movie when he said, "Too bad you're, too bad you're, you're my mom or something." So that whole time, <laughs> I had no clue. So it just blew my mind. It was crazy. I loved it. Rob, when you look at like the results that a Don't Look Up is getting. Are, are you surprised us doing these kind of numbers or is this should have been expected? No, I mean, look, even Mark Rylance, you know, he's in it too. I, I, I was not a fan of this movie, to be honest. I watched it. I wanted something more along the lines of Dr. Strangelove or a network. I thought the comedy was a little too obvious. And because I love the big short. Adam oh, the big, the big short's short. great. I've so seen the big good. short like 50 times. I can just watch clips from the big short. I love this movie so much. I wanted more from it. I, I just thought it was obvious and kind of heavy-handed but there were some things in it that were funny and i like the fact it had two post-credit scenes oh did it i didn't even well the one was on the planet yeah and then there's one afterwards oh too. i didn't know there was... i didn't know there was one afterwards oh. there's jonah hill survives oh my gosh oh, now i, I gotta it. go back and watch oh, the damn wait 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 Hold i on. had Let me no idea did anyone catch the chris evans part <laughs> yes the chris it took Trump. me a little while because he was so like uh Stuff was on his face, but his voice is oh, recognizable, yeah. which brings me to Lightyear. He's going to be that voice for a long time. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing yeah. it. There yeah. was a second post-credit There's a second post-credit sequence. He freaking survived, yeah. you little jerk. Oh, I got to <laughs> He go comes back. out of the wreckage of the White House. <laughs> <laughs> With his stuff? With all the stuff. What, what, Kim, I know you watched this movie. I knew you weren't the biggest fan of it. Were you surprised though to see it's like the number one Netflix film like ever in the first week? You know, I am surprised, but for different reasons because why I do feel like on streaming that star power is like a magnetic draw. Something else that we find on streaming are those sneaker uppers, those things like Lupin, where not a lot yeah. of people know the lead, but everyone's watching it. Or how many of us could name any of the actors in Squid Game aside from Squid Game? before it came yeah. out the name is squid game but it was but it was yeah but squid it was game huge guy. yeah but like these so every now and then you find these gems on streaming and then the word of mouth is like did you see this did you see this it's this guy and he's robbing museums it's called lupine and all of a sudden it's like number one or there's these people it's kind of like ballet royale and before we know it it's this huge record so i think that's something interesting about streaming is that the I don't want to say nobody's because every actor is important and every team is important, but the, uh, let's say unknowns, sometimes they become the one hit wonders or, or the wonders on there. So I think the star power definitely drew it in. I mean, you're not going to have Meryl Streep and on this huge cast. However, it did make me think of that other Netflix movie that Meryl Streep was in called The Launderer. Was it The Laundry? Or the oh, I, I know the one you're talking about. I never watched it. She was in that, and that was a pretty healthy cast there. It was a pretty good cast. I'm going to have to look it up. 
not many people watched it. Well, it didn't have Leonardo DiCaprio, and it didn't have Jennifer Lawrence. Right. And it True. Didn't, yeah, you know, it just, True. It's like, so, True. They had the right formula of star power. Right. It's not just star power. It's the right formula. And I think for years, you know, aside from what was it, Marvin's Room, we've been wanting to see um, Leonardo and Meryl back together. And But... um. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's great, but I'm also like, don't sleep on the little the little sneaker uppers, though. I uh, the one of the most interesting one of the most interesting things to me though is getting back to Bird Box and um, oh and uh, Red Notice that. that you are talking about these two massive, massive, massive films, and this movie is almost caught up to those movies in one week. Yeah, it's the third most watched in the first 28 days after seven days. I mean, that that's But massive. also, break is, is still in. So a lot of people have the kids home. So that's another thing. A lot of people are not in school. A lot of the college kids. Yeah, but this isn't like taking mom's, the kids mom to and the movie theaters. Going, this thing is down at any time at night and pop on the TV but, and watch it, right? It's yeah, not like the theaters. Yeah, but everyone's together watching it right I now. I also think this is a zeitgeist movie, too. It the is. idea, I mean, in our divisive political landscape and how it's about climate change and, and all of that, I think everyone's talking about it. I was... I was um, just driving here today, they were talking about it on NPR. And I'm surprised that I think this this movie is being talked about in a lot of places. Yeah. More so than a, re a regular movie. But I think because of the subject matter, the star power, it's kind of a, a perfect storm. You, you know, uh, part of the movie that I could relate to is when, you know, things started trending and they did that little collage <laughs> of like all the tweets. On oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Since I'm not on social media that's exactly what I see when we do like uh, a topic about like something trending. Right. Like if we mention, that's exactly what I see in my head that happens. That's the the obnoxious, you know, <laughs> point of view I have right now of when when someone says, "Oh, it's trending." That's that's what fills my head. That's exactly what fills my head. I, I think one of my favorite parts of the movie though was the Ariana Grande song near the end, the "Don't Look Up" song or the oh, "Just yeah. Look Up" song. The lyrics of the, I'm just listening to something. Okay, this. It's the whole movie in a song. She was great in she, the movie. She too. really was good. But she it. finally turns on. Oh, oh my god! That was <laughs> it was so good. So anyway, great. guys, <laughs> question is for you. Whatever you thought about the movie, don't look up. What do you think about the fact that it has become the biggest movie ever on Netflix? Are you surprised with that? Are you not? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number four. Kim, what is our fourth main topic today? Okay, guys, this is coming from Lady Thor's Hammer. <laughs> We've been focusing a lot on the best films of 2021 and our anticipated films for 2022. But I want to ask you guys straight up anticipation aside. What do you think will be the best comic book movie of 2022 with movies like the flash the batman thor 4 strange 2 black adam and others in the lineup looks legit all right thanks a lot for saying that in and I, I will say this look there has been we've talked the other day about most anticipated films and stuff like that and a number of them are comic book movies and a bunch of them aren't but in asking the question what do you think is actually going to end up being the best hmm. And there, there is, while I don't really believe there is a difference between favorite and best, I think there is a difference between what you're anticipating and what you actually think will, like, look, I'm going into this season. I'm hoping the New either the New England Patriots or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the Super Bowl. I don't think they are. <laughs> I, 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 think, uh, I think you're probably looking at the, maybe the Packers this year, KC, 
Uh, I mean, like a lot of different teams. So there's a difference between what I'm like really excited to watch, but I mean, these are going to be the teams that win the championship. So we talked about what are our most anticipated, but what do we think are actually going to be the movies that will be the best? Now, there's a couple of contenders here. We got nine contenders for who we think is going to end up wearing the crown of the best comic book movie of 2022. And our contenders officially are, remember, we're not talking about TV series, just the movies. Our contenders are Black Adam, Flash, Doctor Strange 2, Thor 4, or Thor Love and Thunder, The Batman, Spider-Man, what, what's the name of it again? Across the Spider-Verse. Across the Spider-Verse, part one is the, the official title. Uh, we got Morbius, we got Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Aquaman 2. Now, wow. I should, before anybody jumps up and down and gets angry at me, I know there is technically a 10th one known as Super Pets. Um, that looks like a big pile of dog shit, so oh. I have no interest in talking about Super Pets, oh. and we are not going to put Super Pets on this. I hope but it's great. Fluffy. I hope it surprises me the way that <laughs> Arcane did. I hope it does. You'll never be allowed to see it. I'll never be allowed to see it. <laughs> but I don't think it, I don't think it's even worth talking about that. I don't think it's worth talking about it at okay, all. Okay, fine. So in talking about which ones we think are the best, or are gonna end up being the best, let's let's work this down in a list, shall we? Let's work this down in a list. So I'm gonna bring up the classroom for a second. Just so we can work it down, uh, just so we can work down the list. Yeah, you need a, a theme song for the, the campus. Oh yeah, the yeah, yeah. it's classroom. time for the classroom. I don't know what it is. Anyway, so let's <laughs> jump over here. Something. Or man, that would make it seem so epic, but for no reason. Oh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's go with what I think will be the number nine of. Uh, Best one. So we'll go uh, number nine. Number nine, as I'm looking at the list here, I I cannot help it. I, I think it's going to be uh, a Black Panther. Uh, Black Blatch Panther. Blatch Panther. Blatch Panther. <laughs> let, me, let me try that again. Uh, number nine will be uh, Black Panther 2. Uh, I, again, same reason why I'm not anticipating a lot. Chadwick Boseman isn't there and T'Challa isn't there. I, I don't know what you're doing, but hey, Ryan Coogler's directing it, so I don't think it's going to be bad. But but for now, I'm going to put it down at uh, in my number nine spot because I should point out I am actually looking forward to all of these movies, some less than others, but I and I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of them too. All right, what do I think will be the number eight one? I think the number eight best one is going to be Flash. Now they got Andy Muschietti, and I I really like Andy Muschietti as a director. I get excited when I see the concept art and all that kind of stuff. That being said, the number of years, I think this movie was was first supposed to come out in 2018. Uh, the three or four sets of directors, three or four sets of writers, all the drama of, you know, Ezra Miller saying, I know our directors want to do this movie, but I want to do this other movie instead. Like all the drama, everything behind it. I'm going to say, even though I'm looking forward to it, I'm going to think The Flash is going to be our seventh best Seventh best thing of the year. Eighth. Uh, or sorry, eighth. Yes. As we move into our uh, thing, I think the seventh next best one is going to be, even though I'm really looking forward to it, like a lot, because it's been years we've been waiting for it, but it's Black Adam. So I'm going to say that's, I think that's probably going to end up being our seventh best one. As we get into six, 
I'm going to say Morbius. And I am very excited about Morbius. The whole of the trailers I thought have been fantastic. Um, but I'm going to put a little bit lower because even though I love Venom and Venom 2, I I want to see them stepping up the game a bit. So we'll see. So, hey, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be good, but I got it down at uh, number five or number six. And number five, I'm going to say Aquaman 2. I had so much fun with the first Aquaman. I am a big Jason Momoa guy. Not as big as I am of a Henry Cavill guy, but I am a big Jason Momoa guy. I love him as Aquaman. So I'm going to put that uh, in the number five spot. In the number four spot, I'm going to say Doctor Strange um, 2. This, I thought the trailer looked great. I love Benedict in the role. I love that we're going to have Wanda in there. I think she's going to end up being the villain of the film. Uh, in one way, shape, or another. We got uh, Mordo with Chiwetel Ejiofor back. It's going to be awesome. So I've got at that in there at uh, number three. Okay, what have I not gotten to yet? There's that one, that one, and there we go with that one. I think number three is going to be Thor 4. Uh, listen, it's Thor Ragnarok with the returning director, the returning stars, and we're adding in Natalie Pierce Portman. Brosnan and Rat- and Pierce Portman. Brosnan in there as well. Christian, no, Christian Pierce Brosnan's Bale. Black Adam. Pierce Brosnan's oh, Black I'm Adam. Oh, I'm sorry. You're I'm Christian Bale. Up. You're right. Christian Bale's in there. I mean, there's, there's, there's no reason not to believe this isn't going to be awesome. So I've got that up there at number three. And number two, the Batman. But John, by far, it's your most anticipated. It is. It is. By far, it is my most anticipated film of the year. No questions asked. That being said, it's an unknown quality, uh, an unknown uh, quantity right now. It's an unknown item. We have not had this iteration before. We don't know what we're getting. I know the trailers look fantastic. That's why it's my number one most anticipated film of the year. But we just don't know yet. We just don't know. And so while it is my number one most anticipated I'm going to say I think it's going to end up being the second best comic book movie of the year, which only leaves this. Uh, Spider-Man, Spider-Verse. Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. This, we know what we're getting. The last Spider-Man, Spider-Verse movie, I believe is the greatest Spider-Man movie of all time. It came. I say this all the time, but it came out the same year as Black Panther 1 and Infinity War, and this was the best comic book movie of the year, I thought, personally. Uh, I was, it's, and, and that's, this is a movie, you remember this, Rob. I shit talked that movie Dude, so bad for, for a long whole time. year. I'm like, the animation looks stupid. Nobody cares about Miles Morales. Who, why are you doing an animated thing when you still got live action Spider-Man out there? This is going to fail. That was me for a year. Then I walked out of that. The first time I saw him, I'm like, well, damn, <laughs> like that was awesome. Couldn't believe how good it is. So. I'm going to say my number. So so once again here, just quickly, I think this is the way they're going to rank out. This is prediction, and I hope they're all 10 out of 10s. But for now, I'm going to say Black Panther 2, then number 8, Flash, number 7, Black Adam, number 6, Morbius, number 5, Aquaman 2, number 4, Doctor Strange 2. I think the third best comic book movie of the year is going to be Thor 2. I think the second best is going to be The Batman. And then I think the number one best film of the year is going to be Spider-Verse, even though my most anticipated is The Batman. Rob, you took a look at that just off the top of your head. I'm not going to ask you to list it all yeah, out. But, but what I, do you think is going to end up being like the best of the year? Okay, I have to I have to preface this by saying something. You know how there's been all this talk, Martin Scorsese talking about, well, these comic book movies aren't really cinema. Yeah. I don't think that's true. Neither but do I, I. But I understand 
what he means. And to me, a com- the, the comic book movies are escapist entertainment. You know, they, they are. But when a comic book movie transcends its comic book origins, I would say Batman is going to be the best comic book movie of the year because it isn't just a comic book. If if the character of Batman wasn't Batman, and I'm going by what I'm we've so seen. I'm so excited for it. <laughs> it. It looks like a film, again, that has to do with what does it mean to live in an American city? Yeah. What does it mean to have vigilante justice? I mean, these are things that, they're inherent to comic book properties, but when you see them in things like The Dark Knight and in Batman, it crosses over. Joker, for instance, yeah. based on a comic yeah. book film, but it had a far more resonance to the general audience because it was about, quote unquote, the real world. Whereas, say, Flash or Aquaman 2, The Lost Kingdom, I loved Aquaman, but there's not a lot of uh, uh, examination of the human experience going on. In Aquaman, <laughs> you know, I mean, I love it. I love it. You I, didn't I, think the drumming octopus was an example on, with, was an allegory of the human experience. Uh, yeah, you didn't but think you know that? what I mean? You know, it's just and so I, it, to that extent, from what we've seen, I've got to say, Batman's going to be the best. Yeah, uh, I, it's oh man, I'm so excited. But for then, the in Batman. terms of what a comic book movie is, I think Across the Spider Verse is going to be the best. Like you said, the best comic book movie. Right, uh, Kim. Let me ask you. We got we got nine films up here. And no, you don't get to throw in super pets. I don't care how much your nephews are looking forward to it. Uh, which so, what do you think is going to be at the the very top of those ones that are coming out? As soon as I get done crying about super pets, um, I I really feel like um, I feel like the number one will be throw that picture up real quick. Sure thing. Because I'm so torn. I think it's going to be Thor. I, it's, I, I think it's, it's hard to be disagree Thor, because um, I, I don't get me wrong into the spider verse is awesome, but I feel like, and this isn't a negative thing, but it's almost like the matrix. When you come out with something that has never been seen before, we've never experienced that that way before. We've never thought to look at it that way before. Um, the first time, amazing award-winning let's go. The second time there's a bit of a factor of, okay, I saw this. I saw this. What else you got? You know? Um, so I feel like with Thor, Taika Waititi, he's just so freaking funny. I didn't just laugh in Ragnarok. When he piss off ghost, I was one like, One of the greatest lines the in comic movie history. Seriously. <laughs> honestly, one of the greatest single lines in comic movie history. I just died when he did that. That was hilarious. <laughs> it's that kind of laughter that's like, what? Taika Waititi does that. We, how much do we love Thor? And then seeing Jane level up, I feel like this is Jane goes upgrade. Like, I cannot wait to see what happens with her. And Christian Bale, man. Yeah. We're making a little too little of this. I think because add humor to Christian Bale, because there's no way that Taika Waititi is not going to give him some really hilarious lines delivered with a straight face. And Russell Crowe is in it, too. Oh, he is. That's right. Oh, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, Russell yeah. Crowe is yeah. in it. I mean, the, probably a small role. Yeah, but yeah small. Still. But I, and, and the Guardians still. of the Galaxy must be in it, too. Yeah, yeah there's they gotta give him again. I think small off. roles, but they're going to be in there too. I mean, it's it's bonkers. By the way, there's one thing we're I all forgetting about one. when it comes to when it comes to Thor as well, which is like when we remember just talking about one movie's an unknown commodity in in the Batman. We don't know what we're going to get there. We know guess consider this. Not only do we know what we're getting with Thor because Taika just did Thor Ragnarok, which I, I it's definitely a top ten greatest comic book film of all time to me. 
But after he did that, he did truly one of the most special movies we've had in years in Jojo Rabbit. That so film, man. Now, so we saw him go from Thor Ragnarok, Jojo Rabbit, which won him an Academy Award, by mm -hmm. the way. And now he's taken that. He has, I love their terminology. He's leveling up. Mm -hmm. And now he's bringing all that back into Thor. And that's why I've got it my number three, but I could it's, easily it's my, see it ended up being the best yeah. one of it's the year, It's my number one, man. It's my number one. Yeah. All right, Ray. Yeah. Got to ask you. Uh, Ray, you're looking at this list. This is a, this and no, big. they are not all 90 minutes, so you're going to have yes, to some take them, a nap Some of them are a little over 90 minutes. You might have to push your way through. You know, you the best one. When I saw this topic, I was like, you know, you know me, John. I'm just the guy that doesn't like to pre predict things or like just give it to me and then I'll, I'll, I'll give you my judgment. But if I had to choose, the only way I could really... Um, confident in is uh the the person i trust the most is taika watiti yeah no that's a good that's good reasoning yeah so like out of all those movies that's the director i trust the most so i'm gonna say thor as well i'm gonna agree with kim yeah. it's gonna be thor but i will go on the limb just because of you okay that super pets <laughs> will be oh man do i really want to say this uh <laughs> worth it it's gonna come back and haunt you but i think yes, i will because everyone knows why i'm saying this my love for the super pets yep. will be just as good as across the spider verse wow animated. mark Bold it here words. don't mark it here actually don't mark it delete this video afterwards because i will be wrong yeah because nothing, nothing you ever say on the internet comes back to bite you in the ass oh no somebody's like already taken the video down and memed it and put it on twitter that's right like it's, it's already all saying right like Right now, Warner Brothers is making their new Super Pets poster, and it, it's just going to say, we'll Ray be approved. as good as Across the Spider-Verse, dash, the John Campia show. That's oh, exactly yeah, what they're yeah. going to yeah, They're going to put that up there. So. It'll be the surprise hit of the year. Surprise hit of the year. Anyway, guys, question is for you. You've got these options. You've got Black Adam, Flash. You got Doctor Strange 2. You got Thor. You got the Batman. You got Across the Spider-Verse, Morbius, Black Panther 2, and Aquaman 2. What ones do you think are going to actually put your anticipation level aside? Which one do you actually think is going to end up being the best? Want to know what you guys think? Jump into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. Before we move on and take your taking your live questions and comments you guys have been firing in, I want to circle back around for a second to, you know, Boba Fett is out right now episode two just dropped yesterday like technically speaking 1201 a.m last night we talked about it a little bit on this show here i certainly thought it was a step in the right direction well i used to do probably the greatest star wars show ever in the history of the internet i used to do this little show called jedi council yeah, that i created and one of the hosts of that show is a friend of mine christian harloff and he and i decided to jump on and talk a little bit but i wanted to pick his brain but what he thought about where we're at for boba fett right now so let's take a couple of minutes here and check out the conversation that me and christian harloff had about where Boba Fett is right now. All right, Christian, we've been waiting ever since the end of Mandalorian season two, obviously with the big post credit scene introducing us to the book of Boba Fett. We've been waiting now. We're two episodes in now. Right. Uh, I was not a fan of the first episode. I quite liked the second, but where are we at right now? As far as, as where were your expectations, where you thought we'd be right now? What's your assessment of book of Boba Fett right now? And where you think we're at? I think that's why I'm enjoying it as much as I am because I had no I had no expectations. Uh, I think you and I t used to talk about it on on the old Jedi Council show is the fact that that when Josh Trank was supposed to do a, a 
a Boba Fett movie, and everyone was talking about the movie, and Simon Kinberg was on to do the the Tales of the Bounty Hunter. I was like, who cares? As I I didn't I always thought Boba Fett was cool, but I didn't care. But the way that he was set up in Mandalorian, and when he came back in Mandalorian, and the 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 mystery around him, and where's he been? How did he get out? Then I started to care, and the way that they set it up at the very end when he comes in and they they whack Bib Fortuna, yeah. <laughs> then I was like, okay, now I'm really, now I'm really interested. And then they start putting out the the trailers to this gangster story with the title of Book of Boba Fett. I always thought of, oh, we're going to see different chapters and interviews that Tamar Morrison gave about how we're going to see different parts of his life and what happened. Then I started to get really intrigued. That's why I liked the first episode so much because I thought it set up the world and and the rules. And as you see this one, I do think that they would have benefited more. And I, I'm cool with either way, but I think they would have benefited had they released this first one and the second one together because it plays as a full hour and 25 minute like movie. Oh, I totally agree. 100% yeah. agree with you on that. Yeah. I think that what they took a risk on and it seems like it paid off like people like yourself who weren't on board with that first episode they said all right well they'll wait we'll get them we got to keep them. it's a risk because you got to make sure that they stick around for that second one and people are and what i've seen is that the majority of people who who didn't like the first one a lot of them there are some who still say i'm just not vibing the show but it seems that a lot of people that didn't like the first would definitely thought that the second was a step up i like both i love i mean the easter eggs I'm going to be honest, I didn't catch all of them, but, uh, and then, and then I started to see and started to talk to some more people about them. So many Easter eggs and so much, you and I used to talk about this forever. If they were ever going to put Canon, uh, stuff in there because I started right. to give, I started to give up on it. Uh, <laughs> honestly, like I, cause I thought we were never going to get rewarded, but the, the comic books, the, the Wookiee from this one is from the comic. Dr. Afra, the Dr. Doc Afra Wookiee. Yep. Yeah. And then, and then you had Luke's Luke's friends from, uh, from, from the, the, the deleted scene in episode four where the, was that couple yep. in the cantina. So like stuff like that. And then the syndicate and they, all, all this stuff that they, that they're playing in was so um it, it, it this is the benefit of having Filoni and Favreau, who now Filoni is be able to pull all this stuff that he's done with his career in Star Wars, plus having access to everything. They, they're paying attention to all this stuff and rewarding the fans in general, but not bombarding you over the head to get you lost if you didn't see it. Let me wrap up with you with this. We are now two episodes in, five yeah. left to go. The game of comparisons is, is always a dodgy one to play, but if we can, Get you to go back to when that first episode of Mand the first season of Mandalorian, first two episodes came out, and we were all just kind of buzzing about it. How would you compare right now your experience with Boba Fett, which is clearly a very different kind of show? Yeah. They're going for a very different vibe. But how would you compare the experience you've had with like the first two episodes of Mandalorian versus the first two episodes and where you think these episodes and the different type of stories gonna tell us in Book of Boba Fett? It's tough because Mandalorian when it came out, I was one of the few people I was, and I used to catch crap for it all the time, where episode nine was coming out also. And I said, I was way more excited for Mandalorian than I was episode nine. I said, if, if you, and I've been singing to the praises still that I think television is the future of Star Wars and should continue to be the future of Star Wars because it just, just the galaxy's too big to try to crunch into two hour movies in my, in my opinion. Um, so my hype for that show was, was pretty monumental because I think that it, if had that show not worked on the first episode, then you don't get a Boba Fett show at all, right? Like it, it needed to work. It needed to set again. So I think that for me, the first few episodes of Mandalorian, I don't know. Maybe Obi Wan can surpass that, but mm. I don't. I don't know. 
because I, I just I wanted to see Star Wars television, live action Star Wars television for so long. And I wanted and I and I felt like a kid again watching the original trilogy it was that same. I think it spoke to our generation of the way that it because that's where Favreau came from of doing it that way. Um, so I'm, I was very excited for this because there's a different experience for me with Boba Fett because Boba Fett is is the continuation of the success of Star Wars television. So that's it's a different type of satisfaction for me when the when the episode because I uh, unlike you I, I I really enjoyed the first episode a lot and um and when I saw it I was just like okay they they've got a grasp on this thing and then after watching season two going oh man now they're playing into all these things it, it goes it goes so against that silly thing that I've heard that goes on in Lucasfilm sometimes about how the the inside baseball doesn't work it clearly does. And it clearly doesn't. It doesn't lose people when you have a Wookiee from the comics in there, when you have this, uh, the Spice Runners from the that are mentioned in the Clone Wars and all these other things. When you have a scene that from a deleted scene, you throw it like that's fun stuff for the fans. Well, Chris, we still got five episodes to go. We're looking forward to seeing all those. Thanks yeah. a lot for taking the time to be here right now. But in the meantime, for people who want to follow more of you and your insights and all stuff, where can people follow you online right now? Well, thank you. Yeah, I just started my own uh, YouTube channel around four months ago, and we, we just hit 32,000 subscribers. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I would love for you guys to join me over there. Just type my name in, Christian Harloff on YouTube. I do reviews, reactions, long-form shows. My show, The Big Thing, is a show. Excuse me, a show I do. What just happened, John? <laughs> <laughs> Force choke. Yeah, Force like, choke. seriously. Don't tell it. Don't talk about the big thing. Big thing. Um, and and then Sith Council is the other show that I do. So please head on over there and, and check it out. Thanks for having me on the show. All right, and thanks to Christian Harloff for his time and giving us his thoughts on Boba Fett. Make sure you guys go and check him out as well, of course. And for that now, let's move on and start taking your guys' live questions. Kim, what are people been sending in here today? All righty, this comes from Don Miller. Fennec, what do you want to do with the gladiator? Boba, take him to the forest moon of Endor. Leave him in the dead of night. He won't last long. <laughs> with the horror of the Ewoks. I mean, again, for those of you guys who missed it, I did. I put up. I did an, another kind of a redo of the Ewoks talk that I did a few years ago. It's up there on the channel. As you go check it out. Do not underestimate the Ewoks, my friends. All right, what's next? Unbeatable says Holland as young James Bond. I can just picture him now asking the bartender for a high C ecto cooler <laughs> or a Capri Sun with a silly strong or some silly straw or something. And then pulling out his ID. See Bond, James Bond, twenty one, right there. All right, what's next? A. Marcellus says, Star Wars Battlefront 2 mission where you are playing as an Imperial trying to survive Ewoks hunting you in the middle of the night. Enough said. It's funny because I didn't know about that level. I think it was it's called The Hunt. So I put up this video yesterday about the, truly the horror that is the Ewoks. Actually, let me bring this up too, just, just for a second, because this is kind of a little bit that was a part of my uh, Ewok discussion. But I wanted to remember remind everybody about this. That just a reminder that the dress that Leia is wearing in the Ewok village was in all likelihood taken from the mother of a family of five who Wicked and his friends murdered, burned alive over an open fire, and then ate the week before. Let that thought be with you for the rest of the evening. That Leia was wearing the dress of a murdered and eaten woman. Aww. Just want you to think about that because Ewoks <laughs> didn't make that thing. All right. 
<laughs> Sorry to keep that image in your head. Okay, what what's next? Cutter Hale says, as of writing this, 355 still has no reviews. I'm what? going to see it tomorrow, but just in case it's bad, I'm going to see No Way Home a fourth time, just in case I need to wash the bad taste of 355 out of my mouth. Okay, hold, like Rob and I always talk about, it's it's not a good, oh, say, so let's see, it's 355 Rotten Tomatoes. It's never a good sign when the studios hold the reviews to something really late. As of right now, one day before the the movie the review the movie comes out, one day before the movie comes out, reviews are now up. There are let's see if we got it here, and it is holding. A, actually, you know what? I take it back. It's it's actually pretty impressive. Twelve percent. <laughs> it's holding. Is there <laughs> any review? Is that reviewers or is that view- viewers? Seventeen. Are- it's uh, it's critics. Yeah. So the movie. What, is, the, what does one of the critics say? Let I me have- see here. Let me go down here. What do they uh, think about it? Here we go. From the Times UK is saying five thrillingly charismatic performers, a giddy central premise, and a single memorable one-liner can't save this hodgepodge production from its ruinous inadequacies. <laughs> Ruinous inadequacies is wow. not words you want on your movie poster. Simon Kinberg, what a career he's had and directing I, uh, movies. Wow. Come on, man. It's his second film. This one should have been better. With this cast? Yeah. yeah. With this how do you how do you screw that up? Well, you gotta have a good script. Doesn't matter how good your, your cast is. But he's the writer. I know. It's gonna be as <laughs> good as a show it. invasion. Who knows? The Listen, slowest alien invasion right I've ever now, seen in my life. There's only 17 reviews. Maybe the next 200 will all be positive. That's true. That's probably not going to happen, of course. But yeah, we'll see. Ruinous good... inadequacy. Ruinous inadequacy. That's what my first girlfriend said about me. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the review she left on your Tinder profile? <laughs> Ruinous inadequacies. Not a phrase you want attached. All right. What's next? Brandon Blake says, finally finished Cobra Kai. By all rights, this show should be awful. But it's not. It's great because of the nuance and depth they give the characters. I'm glad you think so, Brandon. I'm very happy you think so. I'm very happy everybody else in this room thinks so. It's just not for me. But my wife is loving it. She she binged the entire new season that was out there, and she absolutely loves it. All right, what's next? Hardik Dave says, hey, John and Dee, on behalf of all Indians, I would like to rec- recommend... You and in team to watch Three Idiots. It's a blend of everything you love in a movie. It's a cult in here. I have never heard of it. Are, are you familiar with this? Yeah, it's it's Kimberly and the three of us. Okay. So. <laughs> there you go. Look, well, I a, just ran into the wall, so I'll uh, take it. She really did. She really did. She, she ran to the bathroom break and she ran into the wall. I said, oh. So what you're saying is this is a movie I watch every day. Interesting. All right, what's next? Oh, God. John Redcorn says, box office predictions for 355 and Scream. Um, Or not. (laughs) Scream's next week, right? Or is it this week? Uh, I think it's next week. Next week. All right. I'm going to go. I think Scream will make more than 355. I'm going to say 355, 15 million. Wow. That's more than 15. I'm going to be a little little optimistic. I'm going to be... Uh, judging by ruinous inadequacies, ruinous I think it's going to make 335,000. Oh, wow. Here goes sub 1 wow. million. And so that way the variety headlines will be, or Hollywood Reporter can be hilarious. Yeah. And look, I when I say 15, I'm being very generous. I'm being very, very generous. Maybe people look. As far as Scream goes, 21. I'll go 21. What do you think about Scream? Pretty good. Yeah, that's good. I can you see think 21? that. 21? Somewhere in the 20s. All right. Okay, what's next? 
Arun Babaraj says, agree with you on the Golden Globes. For Oscars as well, studios hire publicists and spend money to create Oscar buzz. Directors have said Oscars being influenced by more marketing than by quality. Yeah, that's usually the uh, the directors who lose. <laughs> and look, look, everybody makes excuses, right? Everybody makes excuses. And it's usually the losers who make up the excuses. Oh, I didn't win or I didn't get nominated because my studio didn't have enough marketing budget. Or maybe you lost because you weren't the best. But yeah, I I, I don't pay much attention to the to the losers. Anyway, what's next? Guillaume LaBelle says, best of 2021, five, In the Heights, four, Suicide Squad, three, The Green Knight, two, Zack Snyder's Justice League, one, Dune, honorable mention to Spider-Man No Way Home. There Again, I love going back and looking at this past year in films because there were really so many great year. films this year. Or what's next? Sam Fisher says, if Sony Green Lights ASM 3, Amazing Spider-Man 3, thank you, Amazing Spider-Man 3, and part of the plot included MJ as a love interest, maybe Andrew is ready for love again after No Way Home. Would they recast Shailene Woodley as MJ, and should they? Well, I mean, that's one of those tricky questions, Sam, that's an if built upon another if built upon another if. If they want to do another Amazing Spider-Man, and if they get Andrew Garfield, then should they get... So I mean, so that's that becomes a little bit... Um, What's the uh, Christopher Nolan film? Inception. Inception. See, there's a little bit Inception going on in here. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. If they did, which I don't think they will. I hope they do. I've wanted an Amazing Spider-Man 3 forever. So I don't think they're going to do Amazing Spider-Man 3. But if they did, I think they would go back and get Chainlene Woodley again. I mean, they. I mean, this whole thing seems to be about trying to connect all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And for those who don't know, Shailene Woodley was cast and performed in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 as Mary Jane Watson, but they ultimately decided the film was getting a little bit too crowded and they cut all of her scenes out. But she was their selected Mary Jane. So I think they would, if all that happened, if, 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 then I think they go back to Shailene Woodley. All right, what's next? Homemade Humor says, an out-of-box out one for you. Why are people who talk logical things are shunned off most of the times? Because whenever I talk something meaningful or logical, it happens. Don't know what you're talking about, homemade. I need a little bit of context for you. to. And by the way, everybody thinks, just so you know, homemade, everybody thinks that what they are talking, they are talking logical and meaningful. Everybody thinks they are. The guy on the corner screaming about the pigeon that stole his wallet. He thinks he is logical and meaningful. They all do. I listen to Robert Meyer Burnett. He thinks he's logical and meaningful. And I, I don't know where that came from. Every day. Every day. By the way, show off that sweater. I love that. You, you got your uh, whining. Uh, merch, yeah, this whining about movies. Elizabeth. And that's Elizabeth on there, too. Yeah, I, I walk around with my girlfriend on my chest. I noticed that I as soon as you walked in. I love that sweater, man. I love all right, that. what's next? Brian Learns Stuff says, dude one. Hey, bro. Dude two, yeah, bro. Dude one, can you pass me that pamphlet? Dude two, brochure. Get it? Brochure. Oh. Uh, all right, I'll give I'll give Brian the drum hit. There you go. All right, what's next? Mm. Sam Fisher says, start reading the Afra comics after yesterday's show. I really so like do her. I. She seems like Han and Indiana Jones Love Child or Indian Star Wars. Which comic issue has Afra looking like Anne you mentioned yesterday and from which run? I, I mean, I don't know that the, uh, Anne's got all of them, so she would be able to, to tell me the actual specific number. For those of you who don't know much about Dr. Afra, really cool character. And her relationship with Vader is like honestly one of the most interesting relationships in all of Star Wars. 
a very hot and cold relationship <laughs> between like almost a mentor kind of thing to this person's dead. And then also Dr. Afra has a couple of my favorite Star Wars characters, her droids. Uh, C-3PO, like it's, it's a C-3PO like droid and an R2 like droid, except they are the universe's most insane psychopath serial killers. <laughs> they're, they're death bots that all oh they want to do is kill and murder. And that's all they talk about too. all the different ways. They, I would love to remove the lungs from that things, but I mean, oh it's, God. it's amazing, but she's got kind of like a restraining bolt on them. Right. So she's, she's able to keep them tight, but that's all they want to do is murder, murder, murder. And <laughs> a bounty hunter Wookiee that we saw make an appearance this is why I, this is why I get excited. That Bounder Honey Wookie makes an appearance in um, so Boba Fett, and that's why Anne got so excited. All right, what's next? Guillaume Labelle says, "Worst of 2021: Venom." No, Venom Two is great. Matrix Four. <laughs> no, Matrix F- Four is great. Oh my God, <laughs> F9. Coming to yeah. America yeah. and Snake Eyes. Yeah, I remember. Still, so, I never. I don't remember if we talked about it. I was personally very disappointed coming to America too. Did you? I was. I. I was crushing. Yeah, a crushing disappointment because I love coming so to America. And it had its moments. Yeah, no, but it didn't moments. hold together. Yeah, it just didn't hold together. But it, and you know, there was something. The original coming to America had a, it had a grit to it, even though it was a comedy. Where this new coming to America was too colorful. It looked like a cartoon half the right. time, and I'm like. Where there's no, I wanted to believe, you know, I just, I, there was no verisimilitude for no me, No verisimilitude there. The original Coming to America was full of verisimilitude, but not this one. All right, what's next? Scotty H says, fun fact, in the, multi- ugh, in the Multiverse of Madness trailer where you see the Marvel name intro surprise, they sneaked in the X-Men Marvel movie intro as well. What? Let's see, I'm trying to find the second part. Oh, so based off of what do you think about Professor X and the Illuminati showing up for this movie, X-Men Revealed? Did you um, notice that? No, I never did notice that. I, thought, I mean, that's if that's true, that's interesting. I've seen the movie like a dozen times. I've never noticed. So it might be there. No, I think, I don't think Kevin Feige... Well, first of all, you got to remember this. Um, I don't think... We had this discussion, Rob, you and I had this discussion a long time ago about... When they do start bringing in X-Men stuff, do we think they'll be soft introduced like Black Panther was in Captain America Civil War, where they introduced Black Panther in another movie? Or did they get a hard introduction like Ant-Man in his own standalone movie? And I still kind of think he's going to go the route of we're first going to see X-Men in an X-Men film. Hmm. I totally believe it's possible they do it. Like, I... Hey, listen, I'm not going to fall in my chair and surprise if we see an X-Men cameo in Doctor Strange's Multiverse of Madness. I think Kevin Feige said it's going to be five years. Well, we are getting very close to that five years. It's just about here So now. it literally, every movie that comes out now, for the last five years, every movie that comes out, everybody's swear, this is the one where X-Men are coming. It's like, no, it's not. Kevin Feige said five years. But we are actually now right up to that five year. So it really could be any time now. Rob, at this point... Do you think we're going to see X-Men introduced in another film or do you think we're going to get them introduced in their own thing right off the bat? No, I think they're we're going to see an X-Men of some kind in Multiverse of Madness. It won't be from our So you think not only soon, you think in Multiverse of Madness. I think absolutely. They're going to because I think especially after Spider-Man No Way Home, I think all bets are off. 
I think uh, who knows who we're going to see in Multiverse of Madness, but it's going to be madness. It's going to I be mean, they're going to because they're literally I wouldn't be surprised if the entire X-Men team from Fox's X-Men show up in, in a scene. It, it is called Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it and, and what they're going to do is I, I still believe that the X-Men are going to be introduced in the MCU as always having been there. They're not coming over from a different universe. Right. They're going to be in the MCU. You don't think this could be a result of something Wanda does? Like, no. Like, as opposed, really, because think about it. They could do this whole weird thing. We talked about this on the show a few weeks ago, where what is Wanda's most famous line ever in comic books? No, no more, more mutants. mutants. What if they do a play on that, but it's kind of like the other way around? Oh, they, I mean, that. Uh, the thing is, I think that, that the X-Men have to be their own thing if they were just willed into existence it it denigrates i think them as characters you know because i want to see aurora monroe i think they should do something like they introduce storm in wakanda forever that she lives in wakanda mm. you know and that you would just meet aurora monroe in in wakanda and storm is there you know and, and, and you maybe her backstory that's how i would introduce a character like that all right what's next Dad joke says, wow, I've never seen a more intimidating look from a character in my life. Don't know who he was, but that Wookiee was scary AF. Those <laughs> eyes. Yeah, I mean, he looked, I'll be honest with you. I don't think they did the best job with that costume. You don't? I think he looks far more menacing in the comics. Like far more. There's something about the face that looked very 1970s Lucasfilm prosthetic mask. It uh. didn't look nearly as organic. Still love seeing the characters, and he is a badass. I hope they actually say this is the character from the comics. What's we'll his find name? out. Trying to remember, I think it starts with a B. Do guys in the live chat? Do you guys Bro. remember his name? It's not Doctor Afra. That's that's the girl. That uh, I think it starts with a B, if I'm not mistaken. The name of who? The the uh, the Wookie. The the Wookie uh, bounty hunter. Mm. I called uh, him Mad Chewbacca. <laughs> Mad, Mad, Mad Chewbacca. Chewbacca. Oh, that's that's it. It's it's black. Uh, <laughs> Kirstan or something like that, Blacks Kirstan, something like that, like nice, a, a very, nice. very okay. Wookiee name. All right, what's mm. next? Anthony C says, Tracksuit Mafia's five favorite actors, Jason Broma, <laughs> Mark Ruffro, <laughs> Willem DeBro, <laughs> Robert De Niro, <Deneer> bro, <laughs> Al Pacino, bro. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, the joke will never end. They think it's over, but then they bring it back. Robert baby. De Niro, bro, I can't. And, and then don't forget their favorite device in all of comic book movies, Professor X's Cerebro. Oh, okay. oh dude, it's, it's been there the whole time. It's there, it was sitting it's right in bro front of has us. Been there the, the whole time. Take it. All right, what's next? Wait, hold on, hold on. Let me let me point out. I'm okay. looking at pictures of this Wookiee bounty hunter. Yeah, and he looks crazy. Yeah, no, he's he's freaking <laughs> awesome. Yeah, oh like God. in in the comics, like he is feared. So he's nicknamed Santi, BK, or Black K by uh Doctor by Doctor Afra. Afra. Yeah. Yep. All right. What's next? All right. Sam Fisher says, I don't think anyone mentioned John, but were you wrong about Patrick Stewart in No Way Home? Well, no. I look, this it's always killed. That's why I'm always what? so insistent in saying now i don't think this is actually going to happen but i think there's a possibility that this could happen there was a possibility but i never went out on a limb and said guys i'm telling you right now professor x is showing up in spider-man no way home he's going to be there i can tell you right now well I, theoretically 
when that whole rip happens at the he end, might have been one. They could have the entire X Men standing there for whatever reason. You never know. They could have. They could have. I mean, because I said the same thing in in uh, Wandavision. I thought there was a chance. You know, like everything's going crazy in West. What's it called? Westfield. Yeah. Everything's going Westfield. crazy in Westfield. The government doesn't know what to do. Tight camera shot of the ground. And a wheelchair wheel rolls into shot. It pans back. I might be able to be of some assistance. And it's Patrick Stewart. Then I said, then that's possible. Of course, they didn't do that. But I thought it was a possibility. All right. What's next? Alan Gonzalez says, did you see that Disney is going to be using augmented reality tech without glasses? I haven't seen anything about that. But look, I know they've been trying to come up with stuff like that. Like three. I know James Cameron is working very hard at trying to get 3D without glasses, like glassless. Mm. 3d that's when i'll become right now i think 3d is a useless gimmick when they do it without glasses then you got me interested but i haven't heard of that specifically alan but i'll keep my eyes open for that thanks for mentioning it all right what's next josh molinari says only 16 days until ozark season four part one so excited i don't watch ozark oh i do i can't wait i like i ann and i said that because we love 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 jason basement right so like okay let's let's watch this and we watched the first four episodes and we're like, eh, it's not clicking for us. It gets and we kind of bailed on it. But everybody, I, like, without exception, everybody I know who watches it loves it. So you're really into it. I'm into it. Uh, I, might have mm. to, I might have to give it another go. All right, what's next? Sam Fisher says, for Rob, what is your thoughts on the toy company Gentle Giant? I love buying their statues, especially the ones they have based on Scooty Young's work. By the way, it's it's it, they're more economical. I do like that. Well, they've always been a pretty good company. I mean, they pioneered, Gentle Giant pioneered using like laser technology to for face sculpts and things like that. So I'm a, I'm a fan of theirs. I just don't collect a lot of that stuff. I don't collect statues. I really pretty much only collect high-end six-scale figures. But they're a great company. They've always been a great company. All right, what's next? Joshua Gonzalez says, RIP Peter Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich, thank you. The great American producer and filmmaker. The Last Picture Show and What's Up Doc were my favorite. We were just talking about that a little bit during the break, Rob. Your thoughts? Yes. Well, he, you know, he's he, he's not only he was not only a great filmmaker, but he was all he's also a legend that loves cinema. He had a long-standing relationship with Orson Welles, and uh, he was a great writer, a great writer on film, and also a great writer director. That sadly didn't make as many movies as I thought he should have, but. Yeah, it's it's sad to think that he's gone, actually. All right, what's next? How's it going? Al Renshaw says, I wonder if the Ewoks like mayo. On your toasted, burnt flesh all day. All day. All right, what's next? <laughs> Abraham Ruiz says, finally saw No Way Home again last night in IMAX. And man, I just love that movie more and more. Who knew we'd get to see those big surprises on screen? I mean, it's, Feige knew. You know what? Here's the thing. <laughs> see it three times now. And I still really, really like the film. I do. I, I really, really, really like this film a lot. But every time I watch it, I got to admit, the flaws stand out to me a little bit more. Each each time, it's like, well, wait a minute. That made no sense. <laughs> and like, now, hold on a second. That also made no sense. And, but whatever. At the end of the day, it's still one of those things where, because I felt the same way about Infinity War. Like, there are a number of things that happened in Infinity War, particularly Endgame. But I'm like, it doesn't matter. The good of it so outweighed the negative. And I really do enjoy this movie a lot. It's one of my favorites of the year. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, have you seen it multiple times? Have you had a chance to? No. See it? You just saw it the once with me, yeah. right? Yep. And okay. and it's it's um 
I, 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 it has my problem with it when you're dealing with magic, you know, the, it's kind of undefined. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I don't quite know how that all works because it's a spell and it's does magic it, does people yeah and i've been having these conversations you know doing your companion videos a lot of people had the same points to make but they're good points like does the spell do the guardians of the galaxy not know peter parker did the spell go off world did it go throughout the whole universe <laughs> went across so, universes across the universe will will thor know who peter parker is or not you know and I don't know the answer to that, but I, it's kind of undefined. I guess we'll find out. Now, look, I'm going to say something that's a bit of a spoiler, but I mean, we're at a point now, I think most of you have seen Spider-Man No Way Home, but for those of you who have not, mute your computer here for a second. This is a key point in the movie I'm about to mention. I'll, so I'll put my hand up. Once my hand is down, then I'm not talking about the spoiler anymore. But I remember watching again, somebody mentioned this to me and I'm like, huh. And so then I watched it again. You know, Alfred Molina, in his initial interview where he revealed to the world that he was coming back to play Doc Ock again, he said, John Watts told him he's going to be teleported from his universe the moment, his last moment that we see him in Spider-Man 2, right? He's about to drown. So he said to me, yeah, it don't matter that his chip works now. If he gets sent back to where he got brought from, he's still going to die. <laughs> And, and as far as Goblin goes, okay, if, if he gets takes the moment that he was destined to die, that glider's still going to go in and puncture his Tigny. He's still going to die. And if everybody who was brought over knew that Peter Parker was Spider-Man, why was Electro there? Electro never knew that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. How come he got brought in there? And I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, that's actually a really good point. He's still going to die. Like... Peter put everybody on the planet's life at risk when he didn't even know, even if he did help these guys, if it was even going to stop them from getting killed when they go back to their own universes anyway. So I, I, interesting point. Interesting. All right. I'm going to put my hand down now and let's continue with the show. What's next? <laughs> Iconic reaction says, Hey guys. So Rob, any hints on the project you're working on? Also, I think I know who that person in the mocap suit was. You teased. Was it the God butcher? Um, I, I don't want to tell people when they're wrong because that narrows it down. But for, for here, no, dude, <laughs> that wasn't God Butcher. No, no, it was not. All right. What's next? Um, did you answer the first question? Oh, sorry. What was the first question? Oh, uh, they asked me what I can't. I'm working on a couple of projects that I can't talk about. But the last project I worked on is Dota Dragon's Blood Season 2, which drops on the 18th of January. In case you didn't know that already. Hey. By the way, just keep an eye on the in the credits. Just keep an eye on the credits. All right, what's next? Mr. 47 says, I think Tom Holland would be perfect for a Spy Kids reboot. Here's here's the reality, though. Tom Tom Holland is approaching his mid-20s. He, he ain't a kid. He's got the baby face, and that's going to serve him well for a long, long time. But, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a man. He's a man. Uh, so there you go. I don't think he would work in a Spy Kids. All right, what's next? Double McShave says, greetings to John, Ray, Kimberly, and the future vice president of franchise management for Star Trek. Is the application sent through LinkedIn yet? All right. For those of you who don't know, like Rob came into me today, said, did you know that I am officially submitting myself as the vice president of Star Trek and Paramount? I'm like, yeah, and he did an entire show about it the other day. So have, have you sent in the resume yet? Have you sent uh, no, in? The res but the resume will be sent in probably today. I, I, because they ask for a lot of stuff, right? So I'm filling it out. I don't expect to get the job. 
Now, are you sending it to one of the Twitter accounts that have blocked you? I'm just curious. <laughs> no, that's only that's only Star Trek on Paramount Plus. Oh, okay, they gotcha. pre-blocked me. They pre-blocked me. Well, the first thing I do when I am vice president will be to unblock myself on that official <laughs> social media feed. That's a campaign problem. You know, I'm telling you. So, yeah, I. Uh, for those of you who don't know, there is an actual job opening at Paramount for the vice president of franchise management for Star Trek. I looked at it and I'm like. They have to actually go out and LinkedIn for that job. That doesn't bode well for the future of the Star Trek franchise. Now, to be fair, I, I see all the studios posting I, senior I, jobs I, I on, on LinkedIn. So just to be fair, I should actually throw that one to Anne. Anna's like a huge program and project manager, like that all the companies are after. Like, sorry, Apple, but I mean, if I yeah, because they think, wouldn't hire me, I could be her proxy. Maybe, you know maybe, I mean? maybe Anne could be your puppet. Yeah, I could, I you're could, actually controlling puppet. everything from behind the scenes. All right, what's next? Cody Hunt says, "I went to see Tragedy of Macbeth the other day, and it's the first movie I walked out of." Performances were great, but it was like another language to me. Somebody wrote in. Uh, to me yesterday on the companion video and they basically said the same thing they said i went to see tra the tragedy of macbeth but i i don't understand the shakespearean language like i i just don't i couldn't follow what was going on and i had to walk out and i said dude listen i i, I said this is the way I, I compared it i said you know me i've got a ps5 and it's a bit of a struggle for me because my brain is not wired for console controllers my brain is wired for mouse and keyboard and so whenever i play even though we're loving playing it takes two it's it's every day that ann and i are playing it's a little bit of a struggle for me because my brain is not wired that way not everybody's brain is wired to understand shakespearean english right and yeah like if your brain's not wired that way you're just going to listen to them talking and they might as well be saying they might as well be speaking klingon rob they might as well be speaking klingon which everybody knows You've never appreciated Shakespeare until you've read it in the original Klingon. That's right. As a little Christopher Plummer there owed to you. Um, so I I get it, Rob. Like, have you ever come across people mention you that they struggle like yeah. with the actual? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I remember in elementary school we had to read Romeo and Juliet. That was the first time I read Shakespeare, and it it was hard. Like, because I read a lot, so it was frustrating to not be able to read in my mind as fast. But I, I struggle with, but but eventually, because then I ended up reading like Julius Caesar and Henry V, and uh, I read more Shakespeare plays. But you have to teach yourself. Yeah, it's something. It's a skill. It's hard. Yeah. So I don't I don't blame you, Cody. I don't blame you. Like I I've read a lot of of Shakespeare, and actually my my whole sound test. Whenever whenever everybody laughs at me when I do, but my sound test when we're testing our microphone, like a lot of people just go testing testing one two three. I like to actually say words, so my sound test pattern is always, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. The evil that men do lives after them. The good is often turned with their bones, and so let it be with Caesar. So I I do the, that whole thing right, uh, and so I really really do like Shakespeare a lot. So when I watch it, it's second language to me now. But if you haven't done that. I get it. Your brain's not wired that way. Like my brain is not wired for controllers. It can be a struggle. So I don't blame you one bit, Cody. Not at all. You know, it's also about Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet is Shakespearean, but the way the actors perform it, it's easier to understand. Like it's, right. do you bite your thumb at me, sir? You understand that that's an insult, you know? And, and so it's try watching Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet if you want to sort of 
get in the Shakespearean mindset because they present it in a way it's easy. It's to a understand. very, very even the, the way their guns even just say sword. Right, like it's the make of the gun, so it fits the language. Do you ever, do you guys ever have to read Taming of the Shrew? Yeah, yeah. I love Taming of the Shrew. You, you know do. how I got introduced to Taming of the Shrew? It was a an girlfriend. episode. I was a little kid. <laughs> I was a little kid, and my parents let me watch the Bruce Willis show. Uh, Moonlighting. Moonlighting. And they did an entire episode of Moonlighting as Taming of the Shrew. And I remember I, I remember thinking, that was awesome. And I actually picked up Taming of the Shrew. And, nice. and, and I, I love it. It's also 10 Things I Hate About You, basically. It, it really, do you yeah. have a favorite Shakespeare? No. I mean, no, my, I'm mine not is heavy into Shakespeare. Very, very, I know it's stereotypical, but mine is actually Julius Caesar. Yeah, mine Caesar, is too. That's yours as well? All right. Anyway, oh. what's next? John Redcorn says, would you rather see Venom 3 with Garfield appearing in it or Amazing Spider-Man 3 with Hardy appearing in it? And what's more likely to happen? Venom 3 is more likely to happen because that's going to happen. Um, so that is definitely more likely to happen. I, oh, I mean, I've been wanting Amazing Spider-Man 3 ever since Amazing Spider-Man 2. So which one? I would want Amazing Spider-Man 3 with Tom Hardy appearing as Venom. That's the one I would want. All right, what's next? Ron Frazier says, kudos to Tom Holland for shooting his shot. You miss every shot you don't take. That's uh, Wayne Gretzky by Michael Scott. That's a, that's, that's <laughs> the, of course, Rob hasn't seen The Office yet. I've still, one of these days, I've got to sit down with you. I got to make you sit down. We're going to, we're going to book out like four hours and we're going to sit down. We're going to binge I've a bunch of The Office. I've never seen an episode of Seinfeld. I've never <gasps> seen yep. an episode of Friends. Yep. Kim is a gog and a ghast. I'm a movie guy. I'm a movie guy. Yeah. He's the movie guy. I was a TV guy up till the 80s. Then I became a movie guy oh entirely. Right. What's next? So disappointed, guys. Wiley Todd says, if there was going to be a young James Bond, I would rather have Taron Egerton. Nah. Holland has not personally impressed me yet since his first role. I, I'll, I'll tell you this. Listen, I love Taron in uh, Kingsman 1. But like, let's, let's be honest. The only reason you're saying that is because you already saw him play a spy. So it's like, hmm. and quite frankly, I think Tom Holland... I, and I like Taron Egerton. By the way, if you did not see him in Eddie the Eagle, guys that he did with Hugh Jackman, oh, yeah. based on a true story about what happened at the Calgary Olympics, oh. fantastic. And Taron Egerton, is, it, it's his best performance. It's such a good movie. I think. He's so good in that. So good. Tom Holland's a better actor. I think. Like, when I go back, and even when I watch him in, in not-so-good movies like Cherry and, and things, I, Tom Holland's really good. He's really good. Really, really good. I could definitely see him as as Bond before I could see Taron Egerton. But that's that's just me. That's just my opinion. And your opinion, sir, is no less valid than mine. All right, what's next? Elizabeth Gerardo says, Netflix, ABC, and NBC have shut down some of their productions due to COVID. It's happening again. Almost getting deja vu from 2020. Yeah, it's, it's look, at this point, it's inevitable. Uh, it's It's happening again. This. Um, the spike is ridiculous. I mean, we showed a graph the other day that showed the day Spider-Man No Way Home came out, December 17th, in California, it was an average of 6,500 new cases a day. That was just on December 17th. Yikes. Yesterday was 47,000. I mean, it's there. Now, the question becomes... Have we, number one, vaccinated, number two, educated enough to have this peak last much, much shorter than it did before? I'm hoping that it will. And I'm thinking that it will. I mean, 
So I don't know. Yeah, it, it sucks. Let's hope it doesn't go full blown, but it seems like it's inevitable at this point. But hopefully this time will be much quicker. We'll see what happens. All right, what's next? John Farag says, HBO? No, Brobio. Oh, jeez. Suthia says, <laughs> does, Mr. H, bro. <laughs> does Mr. B live in the Campia guest bedroom now? Uh, no, no. Fortunately, you know, we thought it was going to take like an hour for him to get here. It only takes like 40 minutes when the, when the traffic's yeah, okay. It's not bad. So it's actually not bad. By the way, I think we missed one. I think we missed Drew You. I think right under. Ah, hi, Drew. Okay, what did Drew say? Drew says, was worried about the Batman flick until I read Matt Reeves was doing it. After that, 100% faith will be the next billion dollar movie. Good day, all. Certainly hope so. It's got a lot of things going for it. It's my number one most anticipated film of the year. Again, I wish it was Ben Affleck, but if it can't be Ben Affleck, Matt Reeves is a pretty damn good choice to do it as well. So let's see how it turns out. All right, what's next? Fanimator says, how would you rank these? WandaVision, Shang-Chi. And Spider-Man No Way Home. For me, it's one Shang-Chi, two WandaVision, and three No Way Home. I generally like to don't like to do rankings when people throw things in, but I will say yes. I, I would I would totally agree with your rankings there. Number one, Shang-Chi, number two, WandaVision, number three, No Way Home. What about you, Rob? That's pretty much the same for me. Yeah. What about you, Kim? Number one would be WandaVision. Number two would be Spider-Man No Way Home. And number three would be Shang-Chi. Shang All right. What's next? Kiwi says, voice, that's a nice trick you have there. This podcast of yours, Rob, John, voice, Campia is on sabbatical, honey. Kim, what the hell? Ray, Chapek. I, I don't, I'm not sure, quite sure I follow the drama there, Kiwi. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for the story. I vibe with that. All right, what's next? That. Jack Graham says, hi, John and Rob. What's your favorite British movie and show? I love how they spell favorite. <laughs> um... I, I don't even know what to qualify as a British movie, so I I, I, I don't know. Um, favorite British show? I, the Holy Grail. I mean, I do love Killing Eve. Killing Eve is, is awesome. That's a great one. My favorite British show of all time is I, Claudius. I remember we've talked about that it's, before. It's yeah? the godfather of television. Sean Phillips is, as Olivia. Uh, Derek Jacobi is Claudius. I mean, it's the greatest thing ever. What's it called again? I, Claudius. I'm check that it's out. so good. It's shot like on videotape, though. So when you watch, it looks like a, a soap opera. But in terms of British film, my God, there's so many. I mean, would Stanley Kubrick, would that qualify? See, that's what, he, that's what, like, I, he's I don't an American know what director, qualifies. but he, only were, he worked and he moved to Britain. And yeah, I, so you I don't know. know what qualifies. I mean, obviously, the answer is Mr. Bean. I mean, that's Mr. Bean is the answer. Yes, mm -hmm. I think everybody can agree on that. All right. What's next? This is coming from James L.H. He says, hi, John. Cineworld's first secret, secret screening of 2022 last night. The surprise film was a film I was waiting, I was wanting to see, and it was good as I hoped. Belfast. Listen, I love that Cineworld in the U.K. does this thing where it's just called a secret screening. You get your ticket and you go and you don't know what movie you're going to see. And sometimes it's a movie that's early. And stuff like that, which is awfully damn cool. I that's a good one to walk into. It would have been that. cooler if it was Moonfall. I mean, yeah, of course, if it was Moonfall, <laughs> yeah, Moonfall, or Doctor Strange. Does someone right. mention Moonfall? <laughs> What's next? Casey Mack says you don't want them to rush shows if they don't, if they do the quality could turn out badly. Uh, yes, hmm. but a year is not rushing. Sorry, a year is not rushing. A year is what Breaking Bad did. A year is what Game of Thrones did. A year is what Sons of Anarchy did. A year is not rushing. So you're right. I, we don't want them to rush. I don't feel like, okay, 
you know, um, Invincible season one ended in May. Well, by October, give us season two. Well, I'm not saying that, but a year is not rushing. All right, what's next? Francisco Herrera says, do you think the Batman has the potential to dethrone the Dark Knight as the best live action Batman movie? Every movie that comes out has the potential to be the greatest movie of all time. Just it has potential to it. But will it? I mean, look, you, you don't know. So sure, absolutely, it has the potential to be the best Batman movie of all time. It has the potential to be the best comic book movie of all time. Potential is one thing. Let's see if it actually lives up to it. That's that's the, the whole horse of a different color, to quote uh, Wizard of Oz. All right, what's next? Brad TV says, hey, John, I know you weren't a big fan of Cobra Kai, but <laughs> did you give it another shot? I love the show. No. No. Um... <laughs> I, I once was playing hockey and now granted it was a tennis ball, but it was like winter months. So the tennis ball was frozen and buddy shot it, got deflected, hit me in the balls. <laughs> now I didn't enjoy that experience, but did you give it another shot? Nope. Nope. Didn't give it another shot. Decided, uh, no, I'm not going to do it. So, no, I did not go back. I am not likening Cobra Kai unto being kicked in the balls. I'm just saying it wasn't for me. I don't need to go back to it. I, I already got the sense of it. I know a lot of people love it, and I love that. That's great. I'm not shit-talking on it. But it's just not for me. And so there, yeah, I'm not going to waste my time on it. All right, what's next? Ryan Gigargian says, Hi, John. I know you're not a fan of anime, but Attack on Titan is truly something special. The final season is coming out. Best time to catch up. I honestly didn't think Attack on Titan was all that good. Hmm. I, I did and I did watch it because I like the, the graphic novels. Because uh, Anne got me into the graphic novels. And I really enjoyed it, so I went and watched it. I, I'm honestly not a big fan of the uh, of the anime of it. What did, what did I, you think I, of it? I liked Attack on Titan. I haven't watched all of it i'm trying to think i own a blu-ray of a feature film version of it and not the not the live action the animation and right. i liked it by the way there is like a live action I've seen that too yeah it, which is pretty bonkers it, it's it is kind of bonkers it there really is, is. A live action yeah yeah film? yeah asian it's an asian live action one it's yeah. and, and it's look again not the biggest hollywood budget but i it's pretty bonkers for what it, they do yeah all right what's next Sin Vendetta says, with natural disaster movies being my absolute favorite movie genre, I'm so hyped for Moonfall. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like a blast of a movie. Good or bad, I'll be there opening night. Let's go. See? Yeah. Well, let's have a big party. <laughs> a Moonfall I'll, party. I'll tell you what, though. When they showed us like 10 minutes of it at CinemaCon. Oh, you saw I, 10 minutes of it? Oh, yeah. They showed us a bunch of it at CinemaCon. It's the first I'd ever heard of it. And it was really funny because they were doing this presentation of um, what's the faith-based quarter of football movie right now? Oh, American Warner. Underdog yeah. about Kurt Warner. And they're talking about, you know, there's, there's a, there is a big audience out there for faith-based demographic film and, you know, a movie like this, it's uplifting. So this, the studio guys, right? It's uplifting and it's going to be special for families and blah, 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 blah. And they showed us some footage and they had a uh, Zach, um, um, Levi. Levi, thank you. Like, talk a little bit about it. They gave us all Kurt Warner autographed footballs, all that kind of stuff. It's like, faith based, gonna be great for the family. Check out American Underdog. And now, who's ready for a fucking Roland Emmerich film? It's like, it was like, <laughs> oh, it's like well, that was perfect <laughs> the way you set that up. And then they talked about, listen, I remember watching the footage of this thinking, this looks like it could be one of the worst things ever put to cinema. 
but there is no way I'm not going to the movie theater to see this. Aww. Like, like it's just like, it's just got that. It's the Roland Emmerich thing, right? Like you can't not watch it. You can't not watch I, it. I will go see anything. I even sat, I even bought Independence Day Resurgence. <laughs> oh my God. Did you? I don't know why. <laughs> but I have it. But I did. Were you there? Buy one, get one at Walmart. Were you there? Buy one, get one at Walmart. Were you there when we went all when we all went to go see Independence Day two? No, I wasn't with you. When so I thought. here's what happened with that. It, uh, like me, Harloff, Ellis, Schnepp. I I think even um um oh God, what's his name? Why am I freezing on his name? At, at any rate. I think like I think Ashley Mova was there and there was like 10 of us. And the whole plan was we were at AMC Burbank 16. And the plan was we were all going to go in and watch it together. And then we we're going to go right into the studio and give this big like 10 person out of the theater reaction to it. Right. Because we all thought it looked like a lot of fun. Yeah. And we all came out of it and we're like. No, nah, no, nah, we're not talking about this. And we all just kind of quietly left the theater we all went it's like yeah we're gonna watch this it's gonna be bonkers I say i was so excited i love independence day and i went with uh two filmmaking friends of mine gary and edmund enton and we're like so excited to watch it and when it was over i've never felt so deflated I mean, I really, I felt like a, a a balloon that had a little pinhole in it, so it could never be blown up again. Oh, that's a, wow. That's a sad feeling. Wow. It was sad. You should have put all of that in. Watching the queen film. alien chase a bus around the salt flats. I'm like, what am I, what am I watching? Moonfall will get you back. I, I'm Moonfall hoping. I'm, I, I'm hoping. All right, Come on, Roland. Do me next? up right. Andrew Miller sends in a $20 super oh, chat. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Hey, John and crew, with Tom Holland expressing his interest in leaving the Spider-Man role and where they leave the character at the end of No Way Home, do you think we could see a recast to portray an older Peter Parker? Let's be very, very clear here. Tom Holland has no interest or desire of leaving the Spider-Man role. <laughs> And even when he made that thing, you know, if I'm still playing this when I'm 30, he's still going to be playing it when he's 30. Uh, then I'm doing something wrong. The, another reporter followed up with him a few days after that because he, he goes, oh, well, look, what I meant by that was, and he kind of clarified himself. So, no, you're not going to see him go. And listen, the, the fact is now this is a Spider-Man who has been in one, two, three, four, five, six MCU movies now. The time for having an older Peter Parker is gone. He's no longer the young Peter Parker, right? You get to the end of this movie, he's an adult now. I mean, that's, I mean, and so it, that's the way it is. But no, he has zero interest in leaving this role and he knows it. All right, what's next? Curtis Spotted Bear says, I like Don't Look Up, but honestly, I think it has to be the worst edited film that I've seen in recent years. Consistently, the camera bouncing around the room while the dialogue is being shouted out, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. I was so just kind of writing and paying attention to like the dialogue and what was going on. I honestly didn't pay a lot of attention to the editing. So I, did you notice it, Rob? Yeah, I, I did. I mean, I thought that there was a lot of choppy editing and, and it was strange. A lot of the montage things that they went in and out of, there was a lot of really, I thought, strange choices that were actually obtrusive. I'm like, wait, what? And I love the editing in the big short. You know, there was a lot of that same yeah. style. And, and I, it was, it seems, it seemed that no way or don't look up was sloppy. Yeah, That's, and maybe it's because of how it was made, or maybe that was part of the energy of the whole process. But you know, no, who am I to say? Who am I to tell an Academy Award 
nominated filmmaker <laughs> that his movie was sloppy, but it was sloppy. All right, what's next? Ryan Tribuco sends in a $49.99 super chat. Oh my goodness, Ryan, thank you so much for supporting us on that level, man. That's an incredibly generous of you thank you very much dude thank you what's we should totally have that music in ready to go when somebody sends like a 50 dollars thing that's totally what we should do like if asking robin someone to just put on the breaking news thing i i totally dropped the ball on that anyway ryan next time all right oh my gosh ryan i'm here for viacom cbs considering rob for that vp of franchise management position <laughs> Happy Thursday. Today was payday. So here's some support for the show and everyone. Uh, thank you so much thank for that, you. Ryan. That's incredibly. Sh- and uh, honestly, again, to everybody who always amazed. And you know what? Listen, I have literally had YouTube. Like our community is so supportive of the show. YouTube like reached out to me some time ago. I think I've told you about this before and said, can we use the John Campia YouTube channel? as our case study, as we are teaching YouTubers who come in and do YouTube training to show them how to properly engage with your audience and get your audience and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. And they have literally taught the wow. John Campia show at a lot of their seminars That's and put so it in their cool. stuff. Like it's, it's actually really Did you cool. give them a copyright strike for that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a copyright strike for, I, I it, but again, it's, you know, people always say to me, it's like, Everybody on the internet wants just everything for free. And I'm like, listen, when you have a good community, people don't just tolerate, people enjoy supporting content that they enjoy. 100%. People will and do support content they enjoy. I know there's a lot, there's a number of YouTubers that I'm constantly like supporting and stuff like that too, because I enjoy the content. I want to be one of the things that supports the creation of that content. And our community has always been incredibly great that way, uh, supporting us and, and, and helping us do what we do. And we're always incredibly grateful. So thank you again so much for that, Ryan. That's really supportive of you, man. All right. What's next? Suthia says Mark Rylance plays a good D back and don't look up. The one thing he is great in. <laughs> Can I ask a question? No. Yeah, no. Uh, the one thing I will say about it is, though, as he's talking, uh, as he's talking, about, all I could think about was his character in Ready Player One. Right. Right. That, I, I totally saw. I was like, this is the character from Ready Player One, just with a little bit of extra asshole s- sprinkled in. Right. <laughs> like, I couldn't have been the only one that I thought that. But I, and I loved him in Ready Player One. I thought it was great. All right. What's next? Jacob Silver says <laughs> Peter Bogdanovich passed away at 82. Yeah. We were just talking about that a, a little bit uh, earlier there, man. And again, you know, we're, we're kicking off the year. Well, technically, Betty White died in 2001, but still, it feels like we're kicking off this year with losing some legends. All right, what's next? Elizabeth Gerardo says, have you guys called the helpline from Don't Look Up? Highly recommend. Wait a minute. Is it, is it a real? I was going <laughs> to. Is it a real Should thing? Should we do it right now? Ray, do you got your phone? <laughs> oh, man, my phone? I don't want no. Okay, okay, let's do it. What's okay, the number? Okay. I know. Hop on Netflix, mute your computer, hop on Netflix and try to scroll to where they have the hotline and then call. Somebody must know what happened. There must have been an article on the internet that has the number. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, somebody must have. Ah, okay. Do you got uh, the number, Tim? We do, dare you to dial 1-800-532- 4,500. Don't look up. All right. So let, let us know what happens on that, Ray, oh, when you get God. to it. All right. What's next? 
This is coming from Da One. Da One. My favorite time to watch this show is when I'm high as hell. <laughs> LOL, man. Y'all funny as hell, especially Ray. <laughs> 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 well, my type of audience, baby. <laughs> we found it. We found the Ray demographic. My demographic. I gotta tell you, it's. I, I don't know if I told the story on here before, but like Ann and Ray and our friend Corey went to a WWE event down at uh, what was called the Staples Center in Los Angeles. Now it's called the Crypto.com. Crypto.com Arena, whatever. Everybody's gonna call it the Crypt. And, uh, and Kate got got in. She got home, and I'm like, "How was the event?" She goes, "It was good," but Ray had his first fan fan encounter. I'm like, "What?" She goes, "Yeah, all you hear is this guy oh yelling across God. the thing at the stadium, Ray, Ray, come watch you on the show, love you on the show." It's like his big first Ray encounters. He's <laughs> like, "Man, I didn't know a, what to do." Oh yeah. By the way, I want to add to that. Whoever did go up to me at the Staples Center, I I want to say thank you. That was really uh, a sweet thing to say. Like because I'm very conscious about you know yeah certain things yeah and like even being on the show like i was totally against it for the longest time i didn't think i could add anything to it that would be enjoyable for people but thanks for the support so yeah. I, i'm not i'm not i'm not lying i've been i've been trying for years like no exaggeration i've been trying for years to get ready to feel comfortable to, to getting on camera and bringing his personality to the but show but that phone number some ladies like do you want to talk to hot girls and then it goes <laughs> do you want to talk to hot guys did i did I dial the right no, number? One eight hundred. Ray, that was that was saved in your recent thing. You got to dial. Oh, it. <laughs> that was in his recent. No, but was it one eight hundred? Look, that's the, that's that is from the Huffington Post. So maybe they maybe they've since changed it, and it was just a promo for the movie, and now it's gone back to some bottom basement human trafficking line. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's keep going here. What's next? Okay, this is coming from Mark Gomez. He says, "Best movies of all time." Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Pulp Fiction, The Godfather, Part Two, Shawshank Redemption. Ugh, <laughs> it was a Shawshank Redemption. Snakes on a Plane. I'll tell you what. Tell you what. You guys know I used to work in visual effects, right? Yeah. And almost every movie we ever worked on at the visual effects company I was at was a company called Satellite Studios. We're terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible movies. Sin City being the one exception. But we worked on uh, Spy Kids 2. Uh, we worked on that Sylvester Stallone race car movie. I can't remember the name. It was Driven. A, Driven. Thank you. We worked on that. We worked on Snakes on a Plane. There is a scene. This is this is the big claim. This is the big claim to fame. There is a scene in that movie where a woman is in the uh, bathroom, and I think she's joining the Mile High Club oh, in wow. the bathroom, and a snake pops out and bites her right on the nipple. Oh my gosh. That was us. <laughs> we did the nipple bite. And actually one of the owners of the company, her name's uh, Shannon Wagner, a uh, friend of mine. She's the actual one who actually did the animation on that. And so, so we were famous. We, we are the nipple bite company. Then uh, we did that one. Legacy. Big claim to fame there. All right, what's next? James Argenta says, with Black Chris Antin, Appearing Hurr! In, yeah. Chris <laughs> Oh, I didn't say <laughs> appearing in Boba. Do you expect to see any more bounty hunters from old movies or comics like Bossick, Dengar, or Kane Cad Cad Bane? I ex I hope to see more characters from Dr. Afra. Because not only do I see Dr. Afra, I want to see those droids. <laughs> I, I I mean I don't I have no reason to believe that they're actually gonna bring them in, but man, that's what I'm really hoping to see. All right, what's next? <laughs> 
Andy says, during my second to last semester of electrical engineering, I took seven classes, all engineering courses. I was dead by the end of it, but it totally paid off now that I'm working in the field. I would do anything to never go back to school. However, I make an exception for the camp in the classroom. <laughs> there you go. Oh. Where tuition is always worth it. Um, I, first of all, Andy, I'm glad you said that because, listen, I often... Sometimes people ask me for like advice and whatever, and I say, "Yeah, I'd be more advice for what?" So just general. What, what advice do you give? And one of the my favorite pieces of advice to give is a piece of advice I got when I was that my dad once passed on to me, and I'm sure my dad got it from somewhere else. And the basic thing of it is, uh, always do what you need to do, so later you can do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And I remember my dad saying that to me once. It Good kind advice. of in his gruff Italian dad kind of way, but it was like, you do, do the things you got to do so you can do the things you want to do later. Mm. And that's one of the problems I think since I was a kid with even people I knew growing up, it's like people just want to do what they want to do. Mm -mm. People just want to do what they want to do. And, and again, we all want to do what we want to do, but to bring that same level of passion, commitment, and everything to the things you need to do. And Andy, like you're talking, you took seven extra classes. You put in the work. You did this thing. You did all that. You paid the price. You did what you had to do. So later you can do what you want to do. And everybody always wants to skip that step, and I'm glad you didn't. And welcome to the class of 2025 of the Campy Classroom Academy. <laughs> You'll be glad you're here. All right, what's next? <laughs> Luis Enrique de la Peña says, good morning, everyone. In my opinion, there's a difference between best movie for best and favorite movie. For example, I think The Dark Knight is the best movie, but Man of Steel is my favorite. If you thought Dark Knight was the best movie, it would be your favorite. That's it. If you thought if you actually thought The Dark Knight was your favorite, was the best, it would be your favorite. But you, because you think it's better, well, then if you think it's better, that means you had a better experience with it. But all what's that the criteria for best? Because is, if, is the criteria for best the enjoyment of a majority, or is it all about you? That's what all engagement with artists. But wait a minute, but that's like saying you can't, you, look, I love lots of movies that aren't good, but I love them. Like, I'll give you an example. Then to you, they're good. Then I'll give you an example. Star Crash, which is an Italian Star Wars ripoff. We've talked about this movie. I love Star Crash. I would never say to somebody that it's a good movie, but I love it. You see, I, I'll take one. I'll, I'll Very similar to you. I'll take Cool as Ice, starring Vanilla Ice, right? I'll take that one. Oh wow, often, dude. Okay. Okay. I often <laughs> the greatest bad movie of all time, right? But the reality is. I'm always recommending it to people to watch because it is inadvertently brilliant. It is accidentally brilliant. I'm with you. And I have so much fun watching it. So it's like, is it truly bad or is it accidentally good? Whatever it is, my I always have a great experience watching it. I feel the same way about Brian Bosworth. Starring, oh my God, I know the one you're starring talking about. Stone Cold with Lance Henriksen. I mean, it does not, if you want to see an awesome B movie, it does not get any better than Stone Cold. That's great. Oh man, I love great. the premise of that movie too. It's great. It's so good. The infiltration. In all the bad ways, it's so good. It's all right, great. what's next? Tim Platt says, all this time, the Campia Bob classroom Bob. takes place on Isla Nebula. Isla Nubar. That's uh, that's uh, that's uh, Jurassic Park. Today. 
uh, island. It is like, da, 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 da. <laughs> all right, what's next? Michael Johnston says, fun fact, Marvel movies accounted for 30% of the total domestic box office for all of 2021. <laughs> yeah, now, now, again, keep in mind, it, it is still, box office-wise, 2021 is still a little bit of an asterisk here. I mean, not as much as 2020 was, but it was. But yes, and it would have been even more so if they had put Black Widow strictly out in theaters than it was. But yes, it's look, especially with Spider-Man, which does Spider-Man count as a Disney one or as a, as a Sony one? It doesn't. It's, it's Sony. Sony. Yeah, but still, point is made. And it did represent most of the box office this year. All right, what's next? Zach M. Bosco says, due to leaked photos from a certain Canadian Italian, <laughs> do you think, John, that you will be invited to across the Spider-Verse premiere? Uh, by the way, Zach tipped in $20 Eddie, for that. Yes. Thank you so much for that, man. Uh, true fact, I've never been invited to any Spider-Man premiere. I wasn't invited to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse premiere. I wasn't invited to uh, any of the Tom Holland Spider-Man one. So I don't expect that's going to change at this point. All right, what's next? Luis Enrique de la Pena says, like in sports, I think the Packers are the best team but washington is my favorite team but it's just my opinion have a bro day everyone the difference between sports and art of course is sports can have it has objective verifiable objectively measurable uh truth this team scored more points than the other team by objective measurement they win the game uh, by this team has won this many Super Bowls by objective measurement they have been the best team so it's it's a little bit different you can't compare a sports scenario like that dark because i agree with you like my all-time favorite hockey player well i've got a couple of them uh new york islanders number 22 mike bossy uh toronto maple leafs rick vive another toronto maple leafs daryl sittler now are they the best hockey players but they're not the best hockey players is wayne gretzky and because that's, but your favorites but that's this is an art this is objectively measurable truth wayne gretzky has the actual empirically measurable statistics to prove that he is the best at that right he's true. the best that's measurable it's it's undeniable you'd have to deny math in order to to deny that but so there's a difference in say say sports or or whatever it else comes to it but mike bossy was just a kid a thing that I, a guy that i loved watching play because i liked the way he did certain things uh daryl sittler rick vive mario lemieux mario lemieux is the only one of my favorite players who could be put into an argument against wayne gretzky but at the end of the day look wayne gretzky holds the all-time record for Think of this in terms of NBA, because I know a lot of my American friends don't understand hockey. That's fine. There has never been a player that has led the league in points, assists, and rebounds all the same year. It's never happened. That would be the ultimate basketball player, mm. right? Wayne Gretzky holds the all-time records of goals, assists, points, power play goals, shorthanded goals, like every record, almost every record conceivable. So that is like having a basketball player come out. And again, like say if LeBron James this year led the entire league in, in points and the entire league in assists and the entire league in rebounds and the entire league in steals and the entire league in shot percentage, like that's impossible. But Wayne Gretzky, that's what Wayne Gretzky did. And that's why he is the greatest professional athlete of all time. Because no one has ever dominated their sport the way Wayne Gretzky dominated their sports. And if you want to say otherwise, show me the numbers because Wayne Gretzky's numbers stack up. It's just, it's verifiable at any rate. That's just me. 
All right, what's next? Rafael Castillo says, rest in peace, Peter Bogdanovich. The TCM podcast, The Plot Thickens, has a multi-part series featuring him. It's a great listen as of any of his interviews are. I've never listened to that podcast. I know a couple of people who do listen to it. Have you yeah, ever listened some, to that one? I've dipped in there. They're, they're really good. I've heard it's good. I should it's probably good. check that one out myself. Thanks for putting that in there, Raphael. All right, what's next? Chris Leonardo sends in a $25 super oh, chat. Oh, thank you, Chris. Thank you. Love the show, guys. Good to see you back, Mr. Roberts. It is it is great having Robert in, in, in the room. And uh, you know, Rob pointed something out on Monday when it was his first one back that because, you know, I, you know, we've just done so many shows together, but it had been over two years since we've done a show in the same room together. And it's just with this particular gaggle of people that we are, it's just been a lot of fun. So thank you for that, Chris. Appreciate that. All right. What's next? We have super chats from Magnus Melling and Fanimator. Thank you so much. Thank and then we you, have guys. $20 super chats from Kristen Tungle and Nate. Oh, guys, you just sent them in just to be supportive. Thank just you guys so supported. much for that. Appreciate that very much, guys. All right. And that well, will we wrap ha- up. Oh, what's, is there something else? Oh, you know what? It's a copy. It's a copy. It's okay. A copy. So that'll wrap up that part, guys, of taking your live things. So now we're going to go over and start taking some of the ones that you guys have emailed in because we still got a little bit of time left. Uh, so let's not waste any time and get right into it. What are the questions that people have been sending in? All right, guys. This first one comes from Trapper Keeper 2000. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Trapper Keeper. <laughs> uh, part one, John, I agree with you in that I feel as though the Marvel quality has gone down slightly. I honestly am becoming exhausted from the amount of content they are producing. I also feel like there's too much going on that spans too much space and time. Um, to tone of the movies. Also, it seemed to change. I like the jokes, but sometimes they feel forced into places to bring levity to dark themes, which are substantial to the stories being told. Do you think they will ever return to a smaller MCU? Thoughts? No, no. That it's it's like opening the Pandora's box. Once you once you open it up and you start flooding in everything, it's very difficult to go back until until you reboot. As far as I've, I've often heard the criticism that the MCU forces in too much humor. I disagree. I find and this has been one of the keys to their success. They always know where, how to not cross a line. Whenever things start to get a little too heavy, they don't want to weigh the audience down. So things start to get heavy, pepper in some, some, some humor. When things start to get a little too humorous, something heavy happens. And they've had a great way. I hate using the word formula, but if there is an MCU formula, even though all their films are incredibly different, but the MCU formula is really knowing how to walk that line, never letting it too heavy, never letting it too jovial. Because Thor Ragnarok comes up a lot, Rob, and I know you and I have talked about this. Thor Ragnarok is definitely hilarious and funny. Hilarious. But other than Infinity War, I think it's actually the darkest of the Marvel movies. Because when you look at um, Odin dies, Asgard is destroyed, Thor loses an eye, his sister dies... Mjolnir gets destroyed. I mean, like it is actually a very dark movie, but it's so balanced out with humor. Like it felt like the darker it gets, the the more the humor has to be there. I don't know. How do you see all that? Well, I think you're right. And you, you know, the world is both. We're constantly in the middle of tragedy and comedy. Yes. All the time. And 
you know, when, when Thor is hanging in Surtur's lair at the beginning of <laughs> Ragnarok, so great. And he's, he's circling around <laughs> and having that conversation. I mean, it's an absurd situation, but it's just, that's just, he's hanging there. And it's funny, but it doesn't, I, I've always been sort of, I've never understood why people don't like that about, that's what makes those movies so entertaining, is they're both world spanning or galaxy spanning, and there's all this heavy stuff happening but the humor is character based yeah you know it comes out of who those characters are and I, I i like that i mean that's why we like those movies is because they put a smile on our face i agree all right what's next johnny a says so i almost got kicked out of my friend's new year's eve party uh -oh. because i kept referring to the new batman as twilight, twilight boy <laughs> saying it exactly as you say it during a heated debate oh. about the upcoming movie it's got to be the most annoying phrase of 2020. Oh yeah, that and bro. I mean, that, that, that's we're gonna we're gonna run those ones out really, really, really fast. Like, and I'll probably keep saying it until after the movie comes out. All right, what's next? Hi, uh, this is from Tyler Rod. He says, "Hi, John. What do you think of a Back to the Future soft reboot with Tom Holland and Robert Downey Jr. with Zemeckis? They could build a time machine, travel back in time, and need Doc's help to get home. They go back to the present and reunite Doc and Marty at the end." No, but I mean, a long time ago, did you ever see that deep fake? Yep. Yeah, there's a deep fake in case I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you've seen it, Tyler. But if you haven't, there's already a deep fake out on YouTube where they replaced the faces of uh, uh, Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd with Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland yep. as Marty and Doc. So that that is out there. So would I be interested in that at all in real life? Absolutely not. But I mean, if you want to go get a little taste of that, it's out there on YouTube. You can go see it. I think it'll put a smile on your face. All right. What's next? Boris brings us one of three. He says, hey, John and gang, I don't know if you guys like Family Guy or not. I I've, do. I've always found it funny and finally decided to watch and I'm hooked. Their ability to their ability to just drag simple animations out, repeating the same thing till I lose it doesn't stop. Peter running for ages and tripping and uncomfortably going, ah, ah. for like 30 seconds. Ah. <laughs> or three old men reading the newspaper trying not trying to out ahem each other for so long that I'm crying <laughs> laughing and they're still going. I started in like season 10 because of the animation, but I'm going back for sure. I hope you all had a wonderful and safe new years, a salute to my first tip of 2022 oh, you, LOL. Oh, and on a side note, you reminded me about bullet train dropping names. I didn't even know were there. Can't wait. Have a great day. Bullet train is going to be bonkers. I cannot wait for bullet train. And we talked about this one the other day. We're getting to it's bullet train, but there's another movie, the ambulance. Yep. The yeah. Michael Bay movie. Yeah. I, I want to go see those as a double feature. They showed us about 10 minutes of the ambulance. I'm not terribly excited about oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah. I, um, I mean, but I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal is a bank robber, but I Come saw on. it with Aaron Cummings and she was very taken with it. Oh. So she she thought it looked really good. I was not as taken with it, but you know, see how it goes. As far as Family Guy goes, though, to me, Family Guy's like South Park. It's a little hit and miss. But when it hits, like I don't care. I can watch brand new Peter fighting the giant chicken fights every week for the rest of my life. They're always the same thing, but I can watch them over and over and over. It doesn't matter. One of the greatest, funniest scenes in television history, I think, is Stewie loan sharking Brian and wanting his money back. So uh, you got my money? 
Okay, but uh, three o'clock tomorrow, right? And then he comes back. So you got my money? No. Oh, that's strange. I could have swore I said three o'clock today. And then he starts hitting with baseball bats. It's like, where's my money? Where's my money? And like shooting him in the legs and all. It's, oh it's just this is ridiculous and it's hilarious. <laughs> family, it, like sometimes it misses, but when it hits, Family Guy is so freaking funny. All right. Anyway, what's next? Mike Rusetta says, "Happy 2022, John and crew." Thank you, Mike. I do not support piracy or spoilers leaking online. However, I love seeing opening night theater re reactions to big movies on YouTube. It's like ecstasy siphoning off <laughs> that crowd's energy. What are your thoughts on those videos? I, I mean, I think I think they're great. I mean, that's why I started doing right out of the theater reactions and stuff like that. And all, all of a sudden, there's a lot of people doing right out of the theater reactions now that once I started doing it. But yeah, I, I have a lot of fun with those. I think it's great. And uh, I enjoy doing them like I... I really do like coming right out of the theater and letting people see this is how I am like raw coming out. I haven't put any thought into it. This is my raw reaction to what I just saw. And then, you know, go a little bit more in depth to it later. But I do like those videos too, Mike. All right. What's next? Ride Army says, Hey John, watching you has inspired me to take a film history class. Nice. What do you think of the films they are covering? Nesferatu, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Battleship, Potkman. Potemkin. 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 <laughs> Dial M for murder. Lahane. Boys in the Hood. Sunset Boulevard. An alien. Thanks. I mean, that's a, a nice thing. I, at first, though, I thought you were just saying Battleship. I'm like, really? That's They're a, covering Battleship? <laughs> yeah, that's a great list. Uh, Nosferatu just celebrated its 100th anniversary. Wow. Yep. And if you want to see something funny, it, Bram Stoker's Dracula is great. You want to see something funny? Keanu Reeves and his his go, coming and going accent and which way do we go, sir? <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. We got Gary Oldman in there. Oh, Gary Oldman's great. Brian Stoker's it, it, great. Gary Oldman's great. Nona Ryder. That's when they got married. Um, Sunset Boulevard too. At a recent, you know, we I go to that uh, John Williams concert every yeah. year. They did the a full. Uh, overture from while playing selected scenes from Sunset Boulevard, and they did like the full musical score of it at the late. Oh, so uh, it's, good! It's one of my favorite movies. Oh, so good! All right, what's next? Eric from Chicago says, Hi, John, longtime fan, first time tipper. Thank you, Eric. Just wanted to thank you for continuously recommending Kim's Convenience. I binged the entire show in about two nice. weeks. And it's fantastic. From the opening scene of the gay discount, I was instantly hooked. I am so with you. It was like, it was like, so like who was it? Like living up here, a lot of TV, like I was very late to the party on Schitt's Creek and I was late to the party on Kim's convenience. And I was late to the party of what's the one I Letter got to Kenny? Watch? Letter Kenny. I was late to the party on Letter Kenny. You made Kenny. me watch all those. I know. I got <laughs> to watch all of them. So fun. But I had somebody say, I think it was my friend Corey, who said, you you got to see Kim's Convenience. You got to see Kim's Convenience. So fine. I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. Low budget Canadian sitcom, whatever. The very opening scene of the first episode. Now, I don't think you've seen Kim's Convenience. Yeah. Rob. You did. Yeah. Okay. Elizabeth and I watched it. Very first scene. The gay discount scene. Uh, okay, so basically... The, the setup is this. He, Mr. Kim runs this convenience store. I think it's right on Young Street. And they're getting ready to have a gay pride parade, right? And he's just, he's complaining because like, this is bad for business just because like the street's taken up and customers can't come in and blah, blah. So he didn't want to let, let somebody put up the poster just because he didn't, he was going to disrupt business. That's all he was worried about, right? And so somebody accused him of like, oh, you're homophobic. Said, no, no. As a matter of fact, we have gay discount. 
And he goes, oh, only for, and the way he says it, only for the gay. <laughs> and then some guy comes in and say, like, oh, great, do I discuss? No, you're not the gay. Yes, I am. No, I know. You're not the gay. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my God. And I'm, I'm like, if this is this what this whole show is? And it is. Mr. Kim, played by uh, Paul Sung-Yung uh, Lee, who, of course, was the X-Wing fighter pilot in Mandalorian. As Mr. Kim, he just became one of my favorite television characters of all time. And the whole cat, and of course, it's where Simu Liu, Shang-Chi, came from. He came from, he yes. plays Mr. Kim's son. Just one of the greatest characters in television history. If you guys have not seen Kim's Convenience, you absolutely must give it a shot. It's, and it'll get you right from scene one. Oh, uh, someone asked what streaming service it was on. It was Netflix, Netflix. right? I think, I think yes, you it's can get Netflix. it on Netflix. You okay. can watch it on Netflix now. Because, yeah, it is a Canadian show. But much like Shit's Creek, which is also a Canadian show, it played on Netflix as well. And Shit's Creek, by the way, I think is a top three greatest comedy show so of all time. Funny. Top top three of all time. That's how good Shit's Creek is. Anyway, all right, what's next? Red Arrow thirteen sixteen says, "Hey, can't be a clan." I was watching the Spider Man spoiler discussion, and you mentioned that the movie was not a ten out of ten, and that there were only a few of those movies. In your opinion. I wanted to know what your picks are in that regard. I, I don't like. I don't want to go into it. To be honest with you, I, I, there's a reason I stopped giving scores to my movies. You guys will notice when I do reviews, I do not give a score because a score is an arbitrary number that means something different to different people, right? So, like, we live in a everything for, to everybody today is a perfect ten or it's a zero. Like, so I like for me, for example. I think a seven out of 10 is a solid score. That is me saying, I think it's a really solid movie. Quite enjoyed it. But what would inevitably happen? I would give a seven out of 10 to something. And be like, well, Campy, I hated it. You only give a seven out of 10. Why did you hate it? I was like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> because we live in this idiotic society where everything's 10. If, if you oh, like it even that. remotely, it's a 10. It's a 10 out of 10. And everybody today just hands out 10 out of 10s like it's candy on Halloween. I have only ever in my life, in, in all the years I was reviewing, I think there was only five, six, or seven times when I was still giving scores that I ever gave a 10 out of 10. Because I believe a 10 out of 10 should be the rarest thing you ever gave out. I do not believe... I love Spider-Man No Way Home. It is not a 10 out of 10 movie. No. My, like, not even close. But, again, I just think people are way too easy with handing out 10 out of 10. So, But, again, the same reason I don't want to go into it now these people interpret it differently i don't think there's a point to it so okay but wait a minute yes what's one example of what you think a 10 out of 10 would be one example well for for example i could say something like godfather and godfather 2 or 10 yeah. but those were not movies that came out when i was reviewing movies so i'll give you an example i think the first 10 out of 10 i ever gave a movie once i had started reviewing i think the first one i ever gave out was amelie Amelie to me was a 10 out of 10 I would give movie. you that. It's one of my yeah. favorite movies of all time. Gladiator? Uh, I don't think I gave Gladiator a 10. I think I probably gave that one a 9. Mm -hmm. And then for a long time, my reviewing uh, scale wasn't numerical. For a long time, we changed our reviewing scale to no go and Routh. Uh, and, and you look at me confused. So here's what it, a movie was either a no, no, don't go see it go go see it or it was a full routh and here's where that came from let me just ask just say yes or no in the live chat guys just say yes or no do you guys remember were you guys around long enough to remember no go and ralph just say yes or no in the live chat just let me that'll give me a sense of so jack is saying yes jace is saying yes. okay so here's what no go and ralph meant 
there was a story that came out back before Superman Returns came out. And the story was so ridiculous, but it was true. That during viewing some dailies of Superman Returns, a couple of executives said that the bulge in Brandon Routh's Superman suit stood out a little bit too much. Is there any way we can remove, digitally remove the bulge that he's bringing? To which my one of my co-hosts at the time, his name is Darren Connolly, good, good buddy of mine. Darren Connolly said, well, I guess you could say that Brandon Routh has the full package. And we went, yes. And then we said, you know what? That should become a level of our movie reviews that if a movie is the full package, that's a Ralph. So it's either no, don't go see it. Go. Yeah, go see it. Or this movie's the full package. It's the Ralph. Okay. And so for like four years, <laughs> our movie review scale was no go or Ralph. So there you go. There's a little bit of history about no go or no. <laughs> <laughs> no it's a little bit interesting. All right. What's next? Jonathan says, okay, I hear you gushing about Ted Lasso. Here's the thing I have with TV shows. Not a fan of episodic shows like NCIS, House, etc. I prefer a season-long narrative like Arcane, Stranger Things, even Last Airbender, Airbender, which was a bit of both. Is Tesla lasso that ted lasso is one ongoing story i mean it's it's brilliant that you can just drop it see here's the great thing what's the difference between uh procedurals and uh a serial and a procedural i can't remember which one is which a a serialized story is a one long story so so procedural is where you can jump in on any, any episode right the brilliance about procedurals is that you don't have to get caught up like you can literally drop in like if you watched friends they had some ongoing storylines, but really you could drop it on th- friends season three, episode four, and you'll totally know what's going on because every episode is one thing. Supernatural was kind of a blend of the two. It was very much monster of the week, but it also had each season had its own ongoing storyline. Ted Lasso, I'd say is more procedural uh, or not procedural. Ted Lasso is more one Seri- single yeah. story is more serial um, on that, but I love a good procedural show, like whether it's a law and order or whether it's, you know, I used to love watching law and order when I was younger, whatever, Uh, or Three's Company or Gilligan's Island. These are all procedural. So I like those too. What about you, Rob? Do you have a particular preference or do you think it depends on the show? It depends on the show. You know, like I used to love, like in the 80s, there was a show called Wise Guy about an undercover cop and they would do like they would do three and four or even longer episode arcs. And I loved that. And that was really the first time that I was, I had that feeling and I've always loved great serialized stories. But then again, like the X-Files did both. You had a monster of the week and then ongoing, ongoing mythology arcs. And I, I, you know, I don't have a preference or I, I like getting into the longer novelized stories, but single episodes, The Twilight Zone, Star Trek, those are all- A-Team, Knight Rider. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, we've got time for just a couple more. What's next? Jonathan says, over under 55%, the Batman makes at most 90 plus million and at worst 55 to 65 million opening weekend. Also, I love how my comment about favorite movie versus best movie has a days-long discussion. Well, it's, it's kind of a repeat of a discussion we've been having for years, but I would say this. I will say under 55% of that because I believe the at-most number is higher than that. 
I think the at most number hover, hovers, I'm not the 200 million mark, but I think the at most number probably hovers around 150. So I'm going to say it's much higher than that. What about you, Rob? Where do you, where I do you completely see agree. It's, I think it's much higher unless the movie isn't good. Well, yeah, and that's, you know, that's I, what we got to find I, out. Yeah, I think I think it, the movie does look incredible. So good. It looks so good. So I think that people, even that last trailer, the cat and the bat or whatever. That, so good. I I, who doesn't want to see that movie oh. now? Oh, I am. It's why it is my number one most anticipated movie of the year. All right. What's next? Ryan Reddy Media says, John, been following your hard work since the movie blog's creation. Oh, thank you, man. Much respect for your perseverance changes in the industry and your life personally what is it about film that means so much to you personally what film or films are the driving force well i mean look what's the driving i can't go into it a lot here but just cole's note here driving force the original star wars my earliest childhood memory is my mom showing me star wars and it's it's kind of created a blueprint i've been passionate about movies my whole life there are two reasons why i love movies so much it's what they are to me personally and what I think they represent to us as a culture. Personally, the art of storytelling in any form, whether it's movies, television, the stage, books, whatever, but the art of storytelling, which I believe in its highest form, is on the screen. It, it presents to me a vision of what the world can be, a, a vision of what the world is, it gives me a lens to look through to see the world through other people's eyes because we only see the world through our own perspective. But it's like an amazing way to see the world from a different point of view, to imagine, to dream, to hope, to fear, all that kind of stuff. There have been so many times in my life when something difficult was going on where a movie kind of just wrapped its arm around me and, and gave me a warm hug and gave me a little bit of a reprieve from the hard things going on in my life. The hard things were still there. But I came back out of that warm hug a little bit better prepared to face the world that I was in. Movies to me are that. They are the ultimate expression of imagination and dreaming and all of that kind of stuff. It's just that. So that's for me personally. You've heard me tell this thing a thousand times. What it means to us as a culture. I, I told the story just the other day. Comic-Con one year. I th you were there this one year. And we were staying in this house. And I, we were having to take Uber back and forth to the convention center. Got in this Uber with this guy where he was not from America. English was not his first language. We had nothing in common at all. Somehow, someway, a conversation started up about Lord of the Rings. And me and this guy that I have never met, who comes from a totally different background than me, we have nothing in common. We talked for a good 10 minutes laughing, going, oh, what about, oh, we start going on, and we're talking about Lord of the Rings. These stories connect us. Stories connect us because we all identify with the issues of faith and fear and love and passion and dreams and hope for our future and hope for the future of those who come after us and all that. These are all items and things that we share in common. And that's why I have a video out on YouTube called Why Movies Matter. It was when I did a keynote address in Atlanta one year. And the name of my address was Why Movies Matter. And, and you can go and find that there. But yeah, that's what it is to me. I don't just love movies. Like movies to me are important. Mm -hmm. And I think people who don't think movies are actually that important don't actually understand what it means. You go back to the earliest days of our species. We're storytellers. That's what we are. And, and that's why I think they're so great. And that's why I think they're so important. Anyway, I could go on that for another hour or so, but we don't have time. All right. One more Time for one more question today. What's the last one today? This comes from Chuck the Mystery. He says, John, I have a dilemma. 
In the year leading up to Matrix, you had no excitement for it. In my opinion, you were right not to. It was awful. I'm having the same problem with Uncharted. <laughs> I want to be excited, but I can't get there. We have a great lead actor in Tom Holland, but we had a great actor in lead of Prince of Persia, <laughs> a world-class actor leading Assassin's Creed, and look how those turned out. Do you think anything sets Uncharted apart from those video game films to get me excited? Well, Thanks. okay. First of all, let's, let's clarify something. You don't got to be excited for anything. I was just talking about how I was not the I was the opposite of excited for Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. It doesn't matter if you're excited for something or not. You can or cannot. You shouldn't feel the need to get excited for a movie. The thing is, once you go and watch the movie, take your expectations and leave them at the door and then just watch the movie for what it is. And then I came out going, well, damn, Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse was awesome. Right. So you don't need to get excited for. It. Yeah, listen, I, I've said forever. Putting a great actor in a mediocre movie is not going to make it a great movie. The dialogue is still the same. The story is still the same. The script's still the same. Everything else is still the same. You just got somebody, you know, reciting the lines a bit better and a little bit more believable, which is good and important, but it doesn't change that. So listen, but you remember this for every Prince of Persia, you can point out. It's not just that that's not limited to the video games. Rob, you remember Gangster Squad? Oh, this is one of the greatest casts ever. Ryan Gosling, Josh Brolin. Emma Stone, I mean, on and on, Sean Penn. Yeah. I mean, it's great, great cast, but that movie was a dud. It was a total dud. So don't, it's not just kind of relegated only to, to, to comic or video game movies. Listen, you're seeing what you're seeing for Uncharted and it's not exciting you. You don't need to be excited. You don't have to be excited. Don't worry about it. You shouldn't have to trick yourself into being excited either. Just say, okay, I'm not excited about it. And when it comes out, you'll judge it on its own merits. That's all you need to do. That's all you need. How, what would you say to that? I think it's, you know, I wasn't, to be honest, specifically Uncharted, I wasn't too excited about it because Uncharted changed my way of how I looked at video games. Right. That first Uncharted meant something to me. So when I saw, the, it looked fine, but I watched that clip. They they dropped the extended clip this week. Yeah, of the airplane we talked scene, about it yesterday. Yeah. And it looks really well done. And I was like, the action in this, it's really effective you know it's got james bond mission impossible kind of action real peril i thought some verisimilitude it looked great you know i'm like what happens to him he falls out of the plane well, you know <laughs> and so i got excited for it but like you said you don't you don't have to be but look i i think that that we want to be because the lead up to something that we sure, love yeah. that's what you want that lead up but but you know sometimes don't allow yourself to get excited and just go just go see the movie yep. and let it do to you what it's going to do to you. I think we, I think we, we, we watch too many trailers and we, we, we psych ourselves up about movies too much anyway. Why not? I wish I went into No Way Home and knew nothing about it. I really do. And uh, just why not do a trailer where Peter Parker just comes out and goes, hi, I've got a new movie coming out. It's a Spider-Man movie, and you should see it. And then he swings away, and that's all we know. Because it won't make two hundred fifty million dollars opening weekend if it does. That. I don't know. I mean, I think once the <laughs> you know, but I'll I'll tell you, I'm excited for Moonfall. Uh, there you go. I mean, oh oh, sorry. Yeah, Moonfall. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oh, <laughs> Moonfall. <laughs> Gotta see it. I don't care what John says. Sometimes when you say you like something. Or hate I something. haven't seen I Moonfall like, yet. I'm not I know, saying it's too bad. I know. I, I just, know. I, I just think I can get excited for what I know is not going to be a very good movie. Yes, but <laughs> I might love it. I could love Moonfall. What does that I, say about me? I don't know. 
All right, guys, listen, there are still more questions that are in there to come. Uh, questions from people like uh, Chuck the Mystery, Ukmos, uh, JJ Judd, and others. Do not worry, guys. We're going to do a companion video. We'll get you guys caught up on all those things. But for now, that'll do it. For today's installment of the John Campy Show, thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in the comments and questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved here at the John Campy Show, thank you guys very much for your support. And I want to thank the people in the room. Kimberly Ann Curran. Kimberly, where can people follow you? Hey, guys, you can find me on Instagram at Good. Kimberly, right there below. Beside her, Captain Moonfall, Ray Aura. Captain Moonfall, Ray Aura with a zero. And right beside him is Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, <laughs> where can people follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at RM Burnett. Follow me on Twitter at Burnett RM or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work. And of course, you guys can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter. By the way, I've got 99,000 followers on Twitter now. So it's it usually takes a bit to go up every thing, whatever. So go on down there. Follow me on Twitter and uh, get me to that 100,000 mark, will you? Because I think internet then sends me internet money. I'm not, uh, I don't know yeah. that for sure. Anyway, guys, that'll do it for us for today. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.